Welcome to episode 6 of the Board Game Battles podcast. We take two board games with a common trait, discuss each, and see if we can declare a winner. I'm your host, Randall, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Jeff and Drew. Hello. Hello. Uh, Today we'll be discussing two worker placement games that share the common trait of you don't get your resources or your reward until you pull back your uh, pawns. And they also have the, the, the commonality that you have to feed your workers on a regular basis of some type. We are going to be discussing Stone Age versus Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. I'm sorry it's been so long that we, uh, we've been off. We uh, took a little bit of extra time in November and December here to uh, you know, just you know, our schedules get busy. So this might be the only episode you get uh, this month for December. But then hopefully in January we'll be back to our regular two-episode-a-month uh, schedule. But we'll try to keep you updated on anything that's happening uh, in between if we can. And then uh, after we uh, discuss the two games, we'll be uh, doing our Imperial Assault segment. So um, I guess we'll just go ahead and get going with uh, Stone Age. It uh, came out in 2008. It was designed by uh, Bernd Brunhofer. He uh, doesn't have a huge uh, category of games that he's designed. In the 80s, he did a few games I'm not too familiar with. Uh, one being Dodge City, which sounds familiar, but I don't, I've never actually played it. And then the more recent uh, games, um, before Stone Age, he uh, was the designer of St. Petersburg, which I'm familiar with uh, and have played, and it's a good game. I really enjoy it. And then he also did a game called Pantheon, which, again, not too familiar with. It's been published in uh, North America by Z-Man Games, which is no longer called Z-Man Games, and now they've been, I think, bought out by... Yeah, they got bought out by Asmodee. Yeah, Asmodee, so it's... I don't even, I'm not even sure who's going to be publishing it, if it gets another print run, because right now I believe it's it not is. available. Yeah, it's it's actually going to be getting another one. Because of the uh, the acquisition, there's uh, there's quite a bit of bureaucracy and, and you know ha- happening with the transition. So um, at the moment, Stone Age is out of print, but they uh, have sent the game off to... Um, be reprinted for 2017 unfortunately they haven't been able to provide a specific release date for it just because of the the you know all the chaos with the transition right i I think they're expecting it to be um sometime in in the second or third quarter okay well that's good to hear it's uh it's you know it's definitely one of those staple kind of games for um for worker placements so it's good if it keeps out there and is available for new people to get into yeah it um we're looking at the mechanisms on board game geek they talk about it it's a dice rolling game with set collection and worker placement so pretty you know pretty basic kind of game like most worker placement games it's the kind of game where you're going around placing your workers on the board um what sets it apart is you know after you're done placing your workers you don't get the resources until you pull them back which is at the end of the round but i'll go that go over that when we um go through the rules bgg it has a rating of 7.6 which is out of uh, 29,000 ratings so pretty you know it's uh it's up there it's not the highest in the ratings but it's a it's a decent rating 7.6 so it's uh, nothing to sneeze at going through the uh the game starting with the rule book it's got a, a fairly plain rule book you know but it's it's nicely laid out uh good graphics throughout it uh it you know describes you know how you do the setup gives you all the different rules Sometimes it can be a little bit tough to find something if you're looking for a particular rule, but it, it's it's all pretty it's all laid out pretty well. It's good graphic design. Um, I you know not, I can't think of any, too many mistakes that may have been in it. We did play it with the expansion. We played it both with and without the expansion. We played it a couple times. Both of these games we played both with and without the expansions. Uh, the very first playthrough <laughs> misread a few things in the expansions on both games and made a few errors. So that 
warranted us giving it a few extra tries just to make sure we had everything down. I do notice that with the expansion, they did go through and do a, a reprint of the of the rules. Not Maybe not a reprint, but if you download the rules, it looks like they clarified a few things, especially with um, the market and how it works with uh, with trading. So you'll learn about that as we go through. Um, but again, manual, nice manuals. Yeah, I, th- I think that you know once you've gone through the rules and and sort of come to grips with that you'll spend most of your time with just the they they include a quick reference sheet um and and most of what you're going to be looking for is is in there um describes um you know a lot of the the essentially the pictures that you're going to see on on your um on the cards and yeah the different iconography yeah, and on the huts and it explains what it all means right the components are all uh, you know fairly well they're really decent components um you know it's all cardboard um, one exception being the start player token. Yeah. Uh, they give you this the starting player token that looks like a, a man in a chair. He's like the chief of your tribe. And they made it so it's supposed to stand. So they give you a cardboard token with two little cardboard feet that are supposed to slide in. Uh, in my copy, I'm not sure about your copy, but my copy, it doesn't. the, the little feet don't stay in very well. So as soon as you pick them up, they fall out. So it's kind of useless. Exactly. Same thing with mine. Yeah, so... A little bit of a, a screw up there with the the production, but it's not a huge one. It's not. No. It doesn't ruin the game. Yeah, and you, you don't even need the feet. You just like any first player marker, you just leave it flat on the board, anyways. So yeah, components excellent. The rules. Um, this is where I'll describe the rules now. Um, so how it works is everybody starts out with five workers, and this is out of a potential pool of ten. So the most you could ever have is ten, but you start with five. Um, everybody, you determine who the start player is. Then everybody takes turns placing all the workers around the board. And then once everybody's placed, everybody takes turn. Um, it goes player by player, starting with the first player, taking their uh, workers back. So you pl- take turns placing, but then when it's your turn to take them back, you take them all back at once, but you can take them back in any order you want. How the board is laid out, there's a score track around the edge of the board. Starts at zero, goes up to 99. There on this on the baseboard, there is a little track for keeping track of um, your agriculture. Uh, there is some spaces for huts that you can build throughout the game. There's like four different piles of huts. Um, there's up to I think seven huts per pile. There is spaces for your civilization cards, and those um, it's like a deck of civilization cards, and then four will be exposed at a time. And at the top of each civilization card is the cost to buy that particular card in the round. There is a few locations where you can go. There is the, well, we, it's the, what do they call it? They don't call it the breeding hut. (laughs) Snoo, snoo. I think they just call it the hut. Yeah. And that's where you put two workers. And then at the end of the round, you get a third worker back. They have an agriculture uh, location where you place a worker. They have a, a tool location where you place a worker to get tools. And then they have resource locations around the board. There's the hunting grounds. There's the forest. There's sort of the, I guess it's kind of a, I don't know if it's a quarry or what, but it's where you get clay. Well, no, there's a quarry for stone. And then there's a a clay mound where you get clay. And then there's uh, the gold, the river where you mine for gold. Now, out of all these places, there's little circles indicating how many uh, workers can be placed at any particular place. So the hut, where you get additional workers, you, you have to place two workers down to use it. The um, agriculture 
where you're doing some farming, there's only a place for one worker. So only one person can ever go there in a turn. The tool hut, again, only one worker can go there. And then throughout the resource areas, um, there's various numbers. All the different, uh, the wood, clay, stone, and gold, all have seven spaces for workers. And then the, the hunting ground has like a big sort of open area. So any, you can put as many workers as you want there. Anybody can place for hunting. So that's the baseboard. Now, if you get the expansion, uh, which is the, uh, they just call it the expansion. It adds in the market and the market, it's like a little board that sort of fits over top of the bottom corner where you have your huts, um, the huts that you can build. And so what happens is you take those four stacks of huts, move them off of the main board so they don't longer sit on the main board like they were. The market goes in their place and it gives you a new track where everybody will put a little cube and then they can go up on that track. And that track goes from uh, starts at zero, goes up to 10. Um, similar with the agriculture track, it goes starts at zero, goes up to 10. And then it also gives you a little area where you can place two workers. So it gives you a, a new space for two workers and that's how you go, advance up on the market track. So as people are taking their turn, the first player will place one or more workers down somewhere and then it'll pass from player to player until everybody's done placing all of their workers. Now with the resources, when you place your workers there, you have to, you know, um, as soon as you place any number of workers in a resource, you can no longer place there again in a future churn um, or a future, not churn, but future uh, placement step. So once you place somewhere for resources, you have to know that's how many people you want to place there because you can't place there again, except for potentially the hunting ground where there's no limits to how many people can go there. And then once everyone's placed, you start pulling back. Um, what I didn't mention is with the huts, um, each stack of huts allows you to place a worker on top of that stack. And how the game ends is either when one of the stacks of huts has been depleted or there are no more civilization cards to refill the civilization track, um, then, you, that, then that sort of triggers the end of the game. And I think... If it's the huts, everybody finishes out the round. If it's the civilization, if you can't refill the civilization track at the beginning of a round, because that's when they go out, then you don't start that round. And then that sort of triggers the end of the game. As you're pulling back workers, the agriculture farm will put you up on the agriculture track. Uh, and what that does is it helps you feed your workers. Uh, the tools will get you a tool token. They'll start with level one tools, then they can be upgraded eventually to level two, level three, and level four. Everybody has their own little player board where you keep track of buildings you've built, uh, tools you've built, um, and your resources. It's all sort of sit on a, tr on a board. Uh, you start the game with 12 food, and food is going to be used at the end of every round to feed however many workers you have. It's one food per worker, so you start with 12 food and, and five workers. The, at the end of the first round, if, you, if nobody's gotten any agriculture, you'll have to pay you know, five, uh, five food. And agriculture will supplement that. So every time you go up on the agriculture track, you're essentially feeding one of your workers up into the maximum of 10. Uh, the civilization track, again, you can place your workers on the civilization, on any civilization card that's out there. Uh, the cards give you various um, unique things. So they range in cost, being the cheapest card is uh, one resource, with the most expensive being four resources. And then with the ad addition of the... Uh, the market it gives you a fifth a fifth civilization card, which can be purchased with uh, jewelry, and that's part of part of the market is it adds in jewelry which is are in the forms of teeth and rings. Uh, one um, one ring is equal to three teeth, and you can um, the way you get teeth is going up on the market track, and you can also get it through hunting. 
So through hunting, you get food and teeth, um, and then all the other resources are standard. Each civilization card will have a number of different symbols on it. The symbols range from um, resources that you'll get, food you can get. These are all immediate rewards. could be points. Sometimes it could be a die roll. You roll a number of dice equal to the number of players, and everybody will get to choose something from... Uh, from a little chart and at the bottom of each civilization card could be one of two different things it could be a multiplier for the end of the game so it could be a number a multiplier that'll uh, give you points based on however many of something you have it could be the number of buildings you've built huts it could be the number of uh, people you have in your tribe so um, that, there's different multipliers based on on those and the more you get the higher your multiplier will be or there could be symbols at the bottom of the card and that's where the set collection comes in there's a total of nine with the expansion there's a total of nine different symbols and for every group that you have you'll get a number of points based on how many in the group and it has to be like unique symbols in each group so if you have all nine unique symbols you'll get uh, 81 points at the end of the game just a single by itself is only worth a single point and it sort of goes up so it's like one four nine sixteen it just goes up and up based on how many however many unique symbols you have in each set. Buildings, when you place on a building and you go to build it, at the bottom of each building is a cost of how, what it costs to build that building. And typically the reward for a building is just points. Um, like uh, in the rules, they give you a couple of examples. Uh, there's one building they show that takes a wood, a clay, and a gold. And when you build it, you'll get 13 points. And that's immediate, goes on the scoring track right away. Uh, there are some buildings that have um, generic numbers of points that you need. Are not points resources that you need so if say there's one that says you need four of a single resource then you'll get four times the resource value in points sometimes it'll be you might need four of two different resources it could be five of three different resources there's a number of different ways of uh, mixing things up but then their points are always calculated based on what resources you use to buy that hut there's also um, with the expansion a few new huts that get added in that give you sort of like private uh, resource collecting areas where you can uh, have your own little forest area you can assign up to three workers on to um, to gain wood. Um, there's also, I think, a private quarry and a pri I think there's a private one for every type of resource. Maybe not gold? I'm not sure about gold. I think there's one for gold. You think there's one for I gold too? Remember. It could be. And if I just look at this manual, it'll probably tell me. Remember clay and wood for sure. But... Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's there's a gold. There's a, there's a couple for wood. There's a gold and um, gold here they're showing. There may there might be one for clay and stone. It's hard to say. But usually um, it's a little bit... You only get to put three workers there, but um, it's a little cheaper to get the resource there as opposed to how when you go out to the major areas. Yeah, I think, I think each one gives you... Um, the cost is one less. One less than it normally does. Yeah. And so how that works, when you're pulling back from resources, you're going to roll dice based on the number of workers you've placed on that area. Uh, and then you need to get, you get one resource for every, um, so many pips on the dice towards it. So like wood, you need three pips to get one wood. Uh, food is two. So every two pips, you get a, a one food. Uh, clay, um, clay is four, stone is five, and gold is six. So with gold, it's really tough. You need like a lot of workers out there to try to get some gold if, if you're really needing gold, especially to buy some of those buildings that require gold. Or you want to get a higher multiplier. But that's exactly where the tools come in. That's exactly what. And the, then there's the tools on your player board. There's three areas for tools, like three squares. So you can never, only ever have three tools in on your board. 
And like I said, they start with level one tools. So once you have three level one tools, then each time you go into the HUD, it starts upgrading those tools. So then they get upgraded eventually to level two. And once you have all level twos, then they start getting upgraded to level threes and the highest they go is level four. And what that does is when you roll your dice, you can choose to use a tool to modify the outcome. So if you're like one short of getting an additional food or additional resource and you have a, a one or a two level tool, you just tap or rotate that tool to show you've used it. And then that adds to your pips to help you get that resource. And then at the end of every round, they refresh and you get to use them again the next round. One of the rewards that you can get through civilization cards are temporary tools. Actually, you can get regular tools there too, but you can get these temporary tools. So they sort of sit in front of you and then you can choose, oh, I'm going to use this temporary tool. It could be worth four to help me get some additional resources during the game. And that's, I think, essentially it. I didn't talk about the market too much. When you go to the market, you jump up two spaces on the market and then you get some teeth right away. Um, everybody starts with a few teeth as well when you're using the market from the expansion. And what the market allows you to do is doing a trade. And you can trade towards purchasing a building or towards purchasing a civilization card. And it starts out like you get a different ratio. And it starts out, um, if you haven't moved up at, on the market at all, if you're on the zero track, you can't do any trades at all. As soon as you move up one or I think it's up to three spaces, you get on the one to two trade track. Then it goes one for one and then two for one at the very end. And so what you can do is you can do a single trade to help buy a building or a, a civilization card based on that exchange rate. So you can take, say you need one gold and you're on the two for one. Uh, you can trade two wood to get that one gold towards building that building. And then you still have to have the rest of the resources, but it just sort of helps you with the, with that. And then eventually you'll get the one for two trade. We can trade one wood to get two gold towards something. And it does not be wood for gold. It could be anything. It could be teeth. It can be, you know, clay or whatever in any order you want to go. So if you want to change one gold into three wood for some reason, say you needed it for a particular purchase, you could. So that's how the sort of trading works the, and the market. And, and then the fifth civilization card that the board gets added to um, allows you to buy a civilization card with teeth. So the first four civilization cards are all purchased with resources, one through four resources. And then that fifth civilization card that gets on that track is purchased with um, three teeth with the option of spending, a, and it's like three jewelry, so it could be a, a ring or three teeth. And then you can spend another three jewelry to pull a civilization card from the top of the stack and add it to your pile. Because at the end of the game, you know, maybe you might get a, some additional multipliers or you might get that additional symbol, who knows. But having more civilization cards in your pile at the end of the game most likely will give you some kind of some points of some type. I think that's essentially it. Have I missed anything? No, I don't think so. No, that's so. A, that's yep. a pretty much it. So it out of the it's a fairly it's a kind of a basic um, worker placement game, but it, you know this whole aspect of pulling resources, pulling your meeples back to get your resources and rolling the dice to try to determine how much you get of something is makes it a little unique from a lot of other worker placement games. And then the expansion, uh, while it may not add a lot to the game, it does make it a little bit more interesting. It gives you a few new things to play with. Yeah, I think the the market and the extra civilization card added a dynamic because it made the civilization cards themselves a little more important. Yeah. Especially being able to pull one off the top and not have anybody know what multipliers you were then collecting or right. artifacts. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, it, it threw that into there So because before the, the expansion... 
there wasn't really a way to pull cards off the top of the civilization track. They always just sort of been used to, to fill out the track as people take stuff. At the end of each round, you refill the track so it's full of cards. Like in without the expansion, it's four cards. With the expansion, it's five. So that uh, yeah, that does make a, a difference having that randomness come into it. Um, yeah. So what else was I was going to say is the expansion also adds the ability to have a fifth player. Both of these games that we're talking about today. When you get the expansion, it gives you the additional player that you can add to both games. Adding a fifth player to this game, it, it does affect things because they don't really give you a lot of extra places you can go. I think it's a better four-player game, yeah. honestly. It's, it's nice a bit crowded to with have five. the option, but it's a bit crowded with five people. Yeah, like when, when we first played this game, the very first time we played, we played with five players. We did screw a few things up. I think it was with the... Uh, uh, the, the market, market we weren't using the trades quite properly um we had missed the part where when you go hunting you can choose to either take food or teeth we were we, we weren't taking any teeth so the only way we were getting jewelry was by advancing on the market or by civilization cards or buildings that also rewarded jewelry so we, the first time we played through uh, made a few mistakes and, and but after that you know we played it through again with and without the expansion and it, it went smoother but yeah when you have five players Regardless, it sort of does get a bit crowded. It makes it, you know. But then again, uh, with the four-player, you it's rare you have to worry about getting a place. Well, other than like the agricultural tool spot. Right. But if you want resources, you're almost guaranteed to be able to get that spot. Yeah, I guess unless somebody really wants to hog a spot. Because you start with five workers, so it's at the beginning of the game, you can't block a spot off totally. But um, once you've gotten a few workers, if you really wanted to, you could take up a whole spot it never really happened with us in the games we played i don't know if um... i think it happened once where you would gambled and placed a guy on a building before you had mm. resources yeah and two of us took up i think most of the spots yeah, we were still spots. able to get one guy there but it was tough but that wasn't really a strategy on our part it was more we were both thinking of placing there in the first place yeah it and... wasn't like a screw you yeah. strategy it was just happened to happen yeah yeah, I think it. Where I think you're going to see most of the denial strategies is in in the hut purchase or the civilization cards. Yeah, where you want to put your guy early to make sure someone else can't purchase this card or this building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know they're going after, you know the the number of hut modifier cards, then you know. And I see another one come up. You know, I might grab it just so that you can't have it. Yeah, but resources. You pretty much. I think everyone pretty much got what they wanted yeah. each turn. Yeah, when and, it came to the resource rolling. Yeah, unless they rolled really badly, but yeah, yeah. It, that's typically how it was. True. But there was always a fight for the agriculture and the tools. Yeah, especially at the start of the game. You know, I, I think ag becomes the the most desired spot to to go on. As you advance up that track, you no longer need to you know spend uh, food on feeding your people or on, on yeah. Um, every every step up is another person fed. Yeah, or every round. You know, or I mean, and and that's really what will will give you that comfort zone if you're if you're going to um, you know get additional additional workers. Right. You know, but then it so. also doesn't hurt you if you ignore it because. You True. Can, you, you, food's so easy to get. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that uh, two for one yeah. food is a pretty easy one to get. Yeah. And the way this game works, we didn't mention the penalties um, for if you can't feed your uh, your workers. If you can't feed your workers with food, you you, know, you can use resources. A bit expensive, but you can do it. You can trade resources to feed your worker. It's not in, on the. It's not any kind of special trade. It's like one for one, one food for one one wood or one player or whatever one gold but then if you can't feed your workers it's 
Um, 10 points? Minus 10 points. Yeah, regardless of however many workers you can't feed, it's minus 10 points. So you have to give up all the food you can, potentially all the resources you can, maybe. And then at that point, if you still can't feed your workers, you lose 10 points. So it can get quite costly. Yeah. Especially if you spend one or two rounds not feeding your workers, you can get into the negatives really, really quick, um, which can be dangerous. There's, there's almost no, no cause for that. You know, if you can, if you can essentially place as many of your workers into, you know, the hunting grounds as, as you want, there's really not much excuse for, for letting your people starve. So there shouldn't you know, be. <laughs> so I, I think it's a, it's a reasonable penalty. Yeah. Um, for, for something that's not going to happen all that often. Yeah. Sometimes you might misjudge. Like sometimes there are civilization cards that might give you food. You might go for one of those civilization cards, but then maybe not get the resources you needed to buy that civilization card. Like there could be situations like that. Or you don't commit enough people and roll horribly. Oh yeah, well, I mean there is the luck. There's luck. Yeah, there's some luck involved. So the the agriculture track mitigates that a little bit, but I don't see it as it's a strategy because there's also points you can get from your civilization cards for the multipliers and stuff at the end but because of the way first player works in this it's just constantly rotating yeah you're probably not getting it every turn so you're only kind of going up on your turn on that track unless someone has an important strategy that makes it so they can't take that on their first turn true so it's easy enough to avoid it and it's easy enough to feed your workers without it yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Really, quite often, it's like if it's, if you're the first player, you're, there's a good chance you're going to go for agriculture. But there are cards that you can get that'll increase your agriculture for you. Um, like in the civilization cards, those are those ones where you have to roll a die for every person, and um, and like each die number or result is a different thing on this little chart. So like they give you an example of one in the book here. A one will get somebody a wood. A two will get a clay. Three stone. Four is gold. Five will get you a tool um, or upgrade of a tool if you're already full on tools, uh, and then six will get you up on the agriculture track. And that's the um, that's a card that came with the base game. It's like a, a random thing. So if it's a four player game, you roll four dice, and then every starting with the whoever's turn it was, they each choose the number that they want and get whatever reward is associated with that number. So um, there are other ways to get up on the tracks as well with with these uh, civilization cards and some buildings too can get you up on them as well um so it's not just by going to those locations but that's the main way you get that get up on those uh different areas and yeah and then like the, the hut for getting additional workers you place two workers you get a, a third one back and then you have you're responsible for feeding him right away so at the end of that turn as soon as you get them you gotta feed them but yeah i think that's that's essentially it there's not <laughs> There's really not a lot to say about this game. No, it's, it's pretty so straightforward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's it's got different strategies involved in it. Still, yeah. like it's not like it's a simple. If you do this one thing, you're guaranteed to win. But yeah. it it plays simply. It does. It does. And really, it comes down to those civilization cards. Like um, keeping track of what you have and what you're going for can really be uh, uh, make a big difference in this game because you know if you're you know collecting based on multiplier for buildings you built then you have to make sure you're building a lot of buildings so that it really pays off for you in the end or if you're going for chieftains which gets you points for a number of workers you have you have to make sure you get all your workers out it so there's different strategies strategies based on these um civilization cards that you're going to grab um you just have to be keep it in your mind of what you're going for so you don't sort of screw it up in the end or see what you're getting as you go, as was the case last time we yeah. played for me, because I was just picking up civilization cards, usually for the roll four dice and someone gets a reward. You yep. pick the dice up one. 
And by the end, I was looking at it, and I had so many people multipliers for <laughs> buildings. I'm like, okay, I got to start building stuff. Better build stuff, yeah. Yeah, so that ended up being the strategy where at first, in the first initial turns, I was just grabbing them because they were cheap and it was a quick reward. Right. Yeah, sometimes your strategies will change on the fly just yeah. based on a few different things of what you grab. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the simplicity in this, though, is, is one thing that might attract a lot of people. Um, as with most worker placement games... Um, you know, every, everything is, is very pictorial. Um, you know, there's not, a, you know, you're not going to see any text on the cards or on the board. Um, that's right. You know, it, it's very icon driven. And, uh, but, you know, having said that with, with this game, I felt that, um, you know, really, I mean, in our case, we didn't really need the rules. It was so easy True. for, for Randall to, to teach the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you just hit the ground running almost with this game. If yeah. somebody's played it before, it, you'll, it'll be, you know, five to ten minutes of explanation and then you're playing. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty so low barrier for entry in this I game. The expansion up the difficulty a little bit with the, with the rules explanation. And because in the way the, the original expansion rules were, were worded, it was a little difficult to figure out the trading. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, didn't, it wasn't quite clear enough. And then I, I, I noticed... When you download like the updated one from the uh, from BGG or wherever, it they did change the wording a little bit to try to make it clearer, so it wasn't so ambiguous. But uh, yeah, but even then, the expansion doesn't make it overly compl- complicated. It just adds a just few new elements extra, to it. And uh, there's a couple things that I would change about the way the expansion plays out. Yeah, and well, I shouldn't say a couple. There's only one thing I change about the expansion, and that is to play on the marketplace. I would allow one meeple to be placed instead of needing the two to go up one spot on the track right and just make it a little more though that makes both of those spots playable oh, playable right? for other people yeah. yeah because how it works is you place two workers and you go up two spots <clears throat> on the mer- on the merchant track yeah. and then you also get a reward of two jewelry so yeah um you could if you wanted a house rule let's say if you place one worker you go up one spot yeah it just makes it a little more a useful spot because yeah. at, at that point I mean, it's pretty much a guarantee that the market is useful. Mm-hmm. The first player is, or for the turn, is going to place two people there most likely, unless right. they need the agriculture or the tool. And it's it can be a hard choice, but only being able to put one there gets people on the track to do that expensive trade, the two for one, mm-hmm. and makes it a little more dynamic of a space. Right. And then the other, the, the base game itself, the other change I would make to it is that space to take the first player turn. I just, it bugged me to no end in this game that I couldn't steal first player. I had to watch oh, the first player token rotate to around, around the, the table, table yeah. to come back to me. And in a five player turn, that was, it was hard. Yeah. Hard seeing that first player pass. And it's like knowing you're getting <laughs> If you're a last worse. player and it's, it's going to be a while before it gets yeah. to you. Yeah, exactly. And I like that, that strategy in a worker placement game right. where the you ability can to take first, take player. first player and yeah. dictate the how the play is going it gives that extra level of depth which this game i mean it's simplistic and it's yep. an entry level game it doesn't necessarily need it but i like that aspect of right. worker placement sure. games so i'd probably find a way to fit it in yeah no that would be a nice addition to it having the ability to steal it um they could really see it being stolen every turn probably well it's so important <laughs> yeah. to get that and if you make it so the person who's playing first can't take it, I mean, they're going to know they're not first next turn. True, yeah. Most likely. But it kind of puts a mix into the table because, mm-hmm. I mean, 
second player are you going to take first turn next time or get something like a building that might be important for a civilization card it's just it's always something to think about as you're going through your turn is it more important to play first next time because you don't see something here or is it better to grab this building and risk someone taking first player from you right yeah that'd be interesting it might be something to play with just to see how it played out like add a little area to the board well especially near as you're approaching the end of the game and every time we've played this the end of the game all of a sudden it's like everyone is able to get resources quickly so the civilization cards just they all get bought up immediately and they just fly every turn it's like you're clearing four to five if you're playing with the expansion because you're buying the fifth with the teeth and six if someone uses six teeth or six jewelry to get both cards so once you get to that point it seems like the game just it's like end turns coming really quick i think that's i think that's common with a lot of worker placement games is that as people develop their their economic engine you know it it, it almost you it know, just snowballs moves towards yeah. the, the end of the game you know almost exponentially yeah, yeah. it's a bit slow at first yeah. but then yeah it just ramps up at the end yeah, but if I mean, you this, don't this know. is really no different i mean uh you know in in the first round or two almost nobody is buying you know civilization cards necessarily or, or you know at least some of the, the bigger ones are buying huts yeah you, you might be able to actually well get some of the the lower um you know the lower resource cost civilization yeah, cards. yeah because it's not hard to just sit, you know put a couple yeah. of wood, wood or something and then but you, you know nobody starts one. with it no you know yeah. with, with resources that's so. right it really depends on what that one resource cost card is because if it's a roll for a reward one mm-hmm. or oh, if it's yeah. a uh get a bunch of food or something so you don't have to hunt that round yeah then it's probably going to get grabbed yeah. yeah definitely but but you're right like by the end of the game you know people typically have uh you know quite a bit of resources between the the four or five players and since there's only four or five cards on that yeah they just disappear. you know they just disappear yeah like, yeah the cards will just go yeah well it's but yeah like you said as people gain more and more resources in their kind of pool it, it will but it's yeah they're they, they're good the one that that slow down thing or don't go quite as fast as are the huts because you need specific resources for a lot of those huts so you're, you're well sort of particularly your when you're trying to maximize points with the ones where you can build with where it's whatever random. resource yeah. you want whichever and, and it's like well if i build with gold i'm gonna get six points per resource spent if i build mm-hmm. with wood i'm only getting three right so those ones it's kind of a strategy of when you take it when you try to take it hope that no one else goes on there and and you're building up your resources to try to get one of those and then if you see someone with a lot of gold or who can trade for like the one jewelry for two gold or one wood for two gold and Mm -hmm. they can build it there sometimes you just grab it because i'll build it with wood to deny points and stuff so that's something you have to always be observant of which is why I want to steal first turn because once you <laughs> see it, it's like I'm going last next turn and there's nothing I can do to stop this yeah. from happening. True. Yeah, absolutely. And this is also one of those games where there's no real set number of rounds. The number, you know, it all depends on how quickly those buildings or those civilization cards deplete. Um, whereas some games, you know, there's usually a set number of rounds. Like we're thinking of Zulkin, there's, I don't know how many rounds, but there's a set number. Yeah, it's you get your four ages. Four ages. Mm-hmm. In um, like Lords of Waterdeep, there's eight rounds. And it's, it's quite often uh, worker placements will have a set number of rounds. This one doesn't. It's just how quickly those Which cards is nice. go. I, I like that aspect because you yeah. got that. Uh, if you're ahead in points, you're trying to make the game in, but everyone else is trying to slow it down and they'll second guess whether they should go like on that building spot because it's getting down to two buildings or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. They won't grab a building because they want to keep the game going to catch up a little bit more. Yeah. 
That's yeah, true. I've had that exact thing in a in a two player game. Um, you know, uh, the, well, the difference with the, with the lower number player games is, um, you know, when Randall mentioned at the at the start that you've got um, you know four piles of huts with seven um, seven tiles in each one. Um, that's that's actually different that's... for a, a two or three player game, right? So in a two-player game, you only have two stacks of huts. Yeah, the number and, of stacks are different. It's based on yeah. the number of players. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, there it's important not to run through one of the stacks too fast. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah you you might want to sort of spread out 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 you know between the piles which you know which pile you're you're purchasing huts from. Um, you know, it, yeah, if if your strategy involves purchasing purchasing those. Tiles. Yeah, with more players, I guess it is a lot easier to spread out. Yeah. Amongst the huts. As opposed to like just two players, where you only have two sets, and it's like everyone's concentrating on one. Yeah, you don't want to end pretty quick. Yeah, in a lower player game, you don't want to inadvertently trigger end game if you're if you don't know where you're sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, and that you know goes back to what Jeff was saying is you know really keeping an eye on on those civilization cards that you've that you've got in you know in your stack there and understanding you know what you've got. You might want to sort of drag things out if you yeah. if you figure you're behind in points yeah and especially with the market if you're sitting there going well it looks like we can fill this an extra time and someone takes a card off the top of the deck with extra teeth and it's like well we know this is it now and you're caught with your pants down essentially because you were expecting one more turn but at the near the end of the game when all the cards are going so quickly it's just yep. yeah you really have to pay attention to that aspect of it when someone's going to trigger end turn Right, and they do mention like there are some changes for two or three players. Um, Jews played with two players, um, but when we were doing our testing, we were always playing with four, four and five. five. Four yeah. five. Like they say here, with two or three players, uh, only two of these locations may be occupied during a round: tool maker, hut, and field. So as soon as like one person's in field, one person's in hut, no one can go to or yeah, no one can go to the field. So it does limit your your choices in mm-hmm. a lower count game. And there's a few other changes as well that they they do to uh, when you have less players to mitigate how many spaces can be taken up. But uh, yeah, it, we didn't really run into that with four players, and I think it, in four players is a, is a good number of players for this game. I, five was a bit much, and haven't tried it with three, but I like four. Yeah, four I think was was probably the perfect number. Yeah, yeah, and I mean five is good because you know that extra player four player games often have that trouble bringing to the table when you have the larger groups that we have yeah. so having the fifth it doesn't detract from the game in any no, way i don't think no. it just it's a better four player it, than it, five yeah yeah with with five it'll be slightly slower depending on um you know the experience of the players you know mm-hmm. I, I think if you've if you've played this game uh, you know 10 20 times whatever you know the the placement and and uh take back of the of your workers is going to be quite a bit quicker Right. One um, chances are, if you're starting last in the game, you're only only going to get to go first once, because that's. I think I got to go first once in our first playthrough because it came to me, and then it, the game ended before it came back around to me a second time. So right. it does have a larger yeah. impact on yeah. when your yeah. play is. So, and yeah, especially if especially if one of those one of those piles of tiles gets depleted, yeah. I mean yeah. that game's going to end very quickly. Exactly. True. Yeah. And they do add, they do give you more tiles for the game in the expansion. Uh, they give you some more tiles for the, the civilization, um, which just adds, makes it last a little longer, which is what you want for five players. Yeah. Um, and they give you some more huts, but you're still limited. No, you still get, you get five piles of 
seven tiles for for hot space and number of players. So it gives just give you an extra. Did it give five or was it still only four? No, or it, it, it was five. five. It's yeah, one it per five. player. Okay. Uh, one yeah, one per player. One tile per or stack per player, I should say. So yeah, and then yeah, no, that's a, that's essentially Stone Age. So although uh, one question I had for Drew yeah. in your playthrough was it because both times that we played it seemed to be the winning strategy was buildings and then the multipliers for said buildings from the civilization cards when your playthrough was it the same sort of situation with two players actually i lost the last the last one i played and it was um i i didn't notice that my opponent had gone after artifacts i I knew he picked up he'd picked up a couple yeah um you you, especially in a a two-player game you you can't help but get yeah you know um but I hadn't realized that he had collected an entire set. Oh, okay. Like all nine. Oh, so you're and you were playing with the expansion as well. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he he had acquired he had acquired nine artifacts plus one. So that's that was eighty two points. points. Eighty two points. And I yeah. Didn't, I didn't see it. See, I, and that, it. I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to see is to keep track of every yeah. card the other person picks. That's up. why I was curious though, because I've seen wow yeah, in the times tough. that we played with four or five players, a couple people tried the artifact strategy. And came up short because there's just too many people grabbing them, and that so, might be the difference in players too. Yeah, like with two players it might be easier to do a yeah. artifact strategy. Yeah. Uh, and and I was actually teaching this game to someone who, who had never played it before, and I was, I, I had actually cautioned him about depleting the you know one tile stack too fast because I thought I was actually ahead, and I, oh. you know I wanted to be fair. Yeah, and and I just kind of said. You know, just so you know, don't the game. don't go crazy depleting one because you might trigger end game if that's not what you want to do. Right. So, just think about spreading that out. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, he he actually took that advice. Oh, you know that that makes sense now. Okay, I'll I'll you know look at the other ones too. Um, but now in hindsight, I might have just <laughs> let him make that mistake so that he couldn't have got the the entire set of artifacts. Yeah. Well, it's good to know but, that it, it changes with a few less players. Like it, it opens up a few different strategies. Yeah. There, there's, um, you know, yeah. There's there's more strategy between you. You, you never really feel deprived for a choice. In, right. In in a lower player game, well, um, you're going first, one he's second, kind of like you're just yeah. switching yeah, you're back and forth, yeah, back and forth, back and first. Forth. But yeah, I mean, because there's so many more options between the two of you, I think you're 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 going to maybe not see what the other persons are going mm-hmm. after. Sure. And did tools so. factor in any more than in the four player game? Um, I I think that we were, you know, again because uh, some of the civilization cards actually increase your, you know, give you a, a you know an upgrade to a tool or give you those one use tools. You know, and then there's only two players. You you get more of those between you. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think we we were we were using them all the time. By the end of by the end of the game, each of us had, I think, upgraded. We had upgraded all of our tools to at least level two. Okay. Yeah, that's that's quite a bit yeah. different. Considering, yeah. I think usually in our four to five player games, you're looking at uh, usually a few people are going to have all mm-hmm. their level one tools, but not many people are going to have a level two tool in there unless they were getting lucky with rolled rewards or yeah. something but or pulling tools off of civ cards yeah, yeah. and then, i found that like the reason i'm asking is is that the strategy for the four player game seemed fairly dominant and that you didn't really i mean if you could grab a tool or you could grab agriculture it was it was a bonus mm-hmm. but it wasn't necessary you could focus on just collecting resources of the cheap variety and building like 
uh, three resource building of one type and use wood. I mean, you're going to get nine points for that, and then mm-hmm. you get a multiplier from mm-hmm. a card and just spend wood to get all the civilization cards and stuff. So it, it seemed like it worked fairly well when we were playing. So yeah. I, was, I thought with a two-player game, it would start bringing in other elements like tools. And... Right. Well, it, it, it does in a way. I mean, like I said, because it's, it's essentially all split between you know the two players, you know, you, you're going to get to see those tools get used more. What, what it all seems to do, though, is... You know, again, you know, just from the the limited number of players that the the game is going to turn quicker. Yeah, you've got less huts that you're you can choose from, and you know now we've got all these tools that we can use, so it makes it so much easier to generate resources to purchase things. Yeah, so it it really just speeds the game up dramatically by having limited number of players, and you know here's a whole bunch of tools that you can use to affect your roles so that you can get resources easier so that you can buy huts quicker and and civilization cards quicker and then there's only two stacks of huts you said two stacks two stack which i guess means you're you're not getting the huge variety from a larger player game either in that sense no true you can get stuck easier with a spend five resources on this hut and five resources on another hut that have to have two different resources or something and kind of have the buildings get stuck for a bit in a two-player game maybe especially if you're trying to maximize your points on it yeah 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 all right, so that was Stone Age. So now we're going to move over and talk about uh, Zolkin. Actually, I just oh, mentioned one thing about Stone Age. Yeah, um, I think we we mentioned earlier in in the uh, in the cast that um, it's it's currently out of print. Right. Yeah, you you definitely want to wait. Uh, when I was looking for this, you know, I checked uh, oh, yeah. the, our, our the one sort of friendly neighborhood game store that we uh, normally purchase at, and it wasn't there. So. You know, I, I went online to one of our, you know, one of the online retailers that I know um, has pretty good prices and and uh, and that sort of thing. Except, you know, they only offer free shipping on orders over two hundred dollars, so that was kind of prohibitive. <laughs> I just wanted one game, yeah. But uh, you know, then I then I got on, you know, noticing on BGG because you know there's usually ads tied into Amazon and and that sort of thing. So I thought, oh, let's check out Amazon, and there are some. Uh, I don't really want to say about people that do this, but there there are a few games that are um, being sold through um, Amazon as the distribution channel, not by Amazon themselves. But um, they they are jacking people like crazy. So I'm I'm just on Amazon.ca. I don't know what it's like you know for .com or .uk yeah. or whatever. But I'm looking at uh, Stone Age for from Z Man Games. There are three offers starting. At seven hundred and thirty dollars and ninety-five cents. Okay, this this is a decent game, but it's not worth that. No, yeah, wait, that, that wait even the reprint. The, <laughs> the, <laughs> just the expansion, two hundred and twenty-two ninety-nine. So, so that don't, makes you wonder who's pricing those, or if someone's even pricing them to yeah. some computer or something. That's stupid. Don't go crazy. It's coming out next year again. <laughs> you might have to wait for a little bit, but no matter how much you love a game, don't do yeah. that <laughs> this is not one of those games that people are like oh my god i have to have stone no. age it's a good yeah. game you know absolutely it's and worth I, the wait it's worth the wait <laughs> i'm glad it's in my collection i'm not getting rid of it but um you know I, like this is this is like mortgage payment yeah. kind of prices here so you know yeah this is kingdom death monster yes prices. Yeah. yes i was thinking the same thing <laughs> and this is not kingdom death monster <laughs> i i managed to track it down in in uh um Another another local place that local you know, we play board it, game cafe. We play yeah. it at um, Gamers Lodge, uh, at Gamers Lodge yeah. 
and I managed to find it there, and it was actually lower priced. And uh, you know, well, obviously Amazon's retail. Well, anything's lower than Amazon's retail. But uh, yeah, so yeah, just hang in there. Don't yeah. you know? Don't give you know. Start dipping into your kids' college funds <laughs> just to buy this <laughs> game. Yeah, Stone Age. <laughs> it's good. It's not that good. No. <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway, there we go. So that was funny. Yeah, uh, and I'm glad it's getting a reprint because it is one of those games that I, it should be out there. I think people, you know. That's a good one. And maybe for they'll fix that that first player token. Maybe they'll fix that. Well, maybe. I guess it depends on who reprints it. If Asmodee's picking up the reins, and you know, would they have uh, pretty good sway with production because they're so big? Maybe they can improve some of the quality. I don't know, but the quality, otherwise, the quality is not bad. It's good quality. Well, yeah, it, it even would have been better if the first player token was like another wooden piece instead sure. of that cardboard yeah, it doesn't put need together to be it doesn't have to be fancy it just no. has to stand out and not be annoying to pass around the table yeah, and have it fall having apart. a couple feet that you're going to play around with for a little bit and it's like no this is yeah, stupid and then get rid yeah. of them yeah. yeah exactly okay so now we'll move on to zolkin zolkin which was released in uh 2012 um is designed by a couple gentlemen uh simone luciani and danielle tassini i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing those 100 percent correctly but that's okay Simone, he um, has he's actually you know designed quite a bit going from 2009 to uh, to 2016. I'm not really familiar with a lot of the catalog in his uh, of, of the games he's designed. You know, there's one called Fruity Damar, is one his first one, War of Wonders, Columbus. Um, two, Zulkin came out in 2012, so he'd been designing for a few years before he came out with Zulkin. Um, and then one of his other I think bigger names, at least that I recognize, is is from 2015, which is the Grand Austria Hotel. That one got a bit of buzz in 2015, and I saw it played quite a bit in local conventions. So it, uh, I haven't played it, but my wife has, and she she enjoys it. So that's a that's a good game. And then he's done a few others since then as well. So he's been pretty uh, pretty prolific. Uh, Dan- Daniel, he um, he's it looks like mostly he's helped Simone with. Uh, with designing his games so i haven't seen anything in his list that was different um that wasn't also designed with simone mechanisms it's very similar has set collection and worker placement so the only thing it doesn't have is dice rolling uh bgg rating is 7.9 a little bit higher from 16,000 ratings so not as many people have done but 16,000 is pretty impressive it's quite a few people so it's uh you know it definitely um it's been around people like it and it's uh and it's still out there rule book for this one uh, when, again, played with the expansion, so we have both the main rules and the expansion. There were, it's a fairly well laid out rule book. Uh, you know, if I have to search for something in it, it doesn't usually take too long. Uh, sometimes, maybe I am reading through a paragraph trying to find a specific rule, but it, um, for the most part, it's laid out really well. The um, within the first couple of pages, like the first couple of pages, show you the layout. The the different thing about this game is when we get to the components, is the board. It's it's quite unique. It's a um, puzzle. It's a puzzle. It is. It's really you're, pl- you're putting together a puzzle before you're playing the game, but uh, not a complex one. Not no, to scare people <laughs> it's away. not. Yeah, it's not a 500 piece puzzle <laughs> that you know in a couple of weeks you're ready to play Zolkin. Uh, so it's not that bad. It's just like five or six pieces. Um, but the the rule books really you know it shows you all the different uh, components in the first couple of pages and how the board goes together, and then it it goes through the setup and you know it's it's really li- laid out quite well for um for how you set up the game. Um, how you modify it for a two or three player game is in here, which is important. Um, the way this game is played out, and then um, you know, it goes through player turns and and just you know, 
the layout's pretty well done. It, um, it's not too hard to find anything in here and it uh, explains it quite well. The expansion, um, it's a little bit smaller. It's just like a sort of a, a three page like leaflet. It's, it's full sized, so it's, it's, a big, it's big enough. But again, everything's laid out fairly well. The first time we played it, we played with five players and I totally misread something and we, we missed a whole important aspect of it playing with five players. So that's my bad. But um, well, it made it a little more compact when we played it. It, it definitely made it more compact. But. Yeah. As we explain it, you'll, you'll see why. But it's not the rule book's fault. It's my fault for misreading something and, and not really taking the time I should have to read through the expansion rules. But no, but it, it lays everything out quite well. A lot of iconography in this game, and it's, it's, it's explained in the rules fairly decently. Again, so going to the uh, components, you get this uh, modular board, and it has about four, well, four or five different pieces. And it's, it, yeah, like we said, it's like a jigsaw. And then what's on each piece, though, are these big gears. So there's four, um, I should verify that, it might be five. Uh, there are, yeah, there's five smaller gears. Each gear is um, sort of uh, represented by a, a different um, Mayan god. And um, each gear is a different color. So there's a green, um, sort of a, a beige-ish gear, uh, reddish gear, yellow, and then a blue one. And then in the center of these five gears is a big, large gear that ties it all together and rotates every gear as you rotate it. And this main gear has four correspond like four spots on it um, at each quarter point. So it starts out, um, there's two green spots, and then there's sort of two brown spots that are across from each other. So two green across from each other, and then at the other quarter spots are two brown that are across from each other. Um, I believe there's approximately seven gears. Yeah, seven gears per quarter. So in a, and each quarter represents, not an age, but a... Uh, feeding cycle. Yeah, feeding cycle. So um, once you hit each quarter, that's when you sort of get to the feeding part of this game. So how the game works is uh, I didn't talk about the rest of the components though. Um, there's components for all the different resources. Uh, in this game, there's wood, stone, and gold. And then there's a fourth, not really a resource, but it is one that you have to acquire and use. It's um, crystal skulls. And so the game comes with a nice little set of 13 you know, blue crystal skulls. And then there's also a bunch of various cardboard tokens. There's uh, tokens for corn and wood that go uh, along one of the boards. There's, uh, everybody has um, in there, you know, there's four, in the base game, there's four basic uh, colors, and then in the expansion it adds a fifth for each player. And um, what you get are a number of pawns, and they're just um, cylinders. They're like, uh, like maybe an inch tall, maybe not even an inch, half an inch tall cylinders for your color that represent your workers. And you'll start the game with three, and there's the way to get additional ones throughout the game. So you can get up to their total of six. And then you each get, um, you also get a turn marker, or not turn marker, um, a point marker for going around the outside of the edge of the board is the point track. And then there's uh, also little markers that you'll use for a few other tracks. There's um, three different temples along the uh, right side of the board um, representing the three different gods. And then there's also um, four, a technology track which has four different rows that you can have a um, little icon on, or a little token for to go across as well and as you gain in those technologies it um, usually give you benefits throughout the game and also at the bottom right corner of the board are locations for buildings that you can build and monuments so how you set the board up is uh, you know once you have, have it all together you put 
uh, food uh, corn tokens uh, along the um, the green track or the green gear. There's a number of uh, there's a total of um, seven spaces. One of them is blue. The rest are all green. And except for the blue track, you're going to put four corn tokens at each space, except for the last two green ones. So there's four total spaces, like four different locations on that wheel that'll have four corn tokens laid out. And then for the last three um, ones that have corn on them, you'll put wood on top of them. So you have corn covered by wood on three of them. And then the first one is just four corn just sort of sitting there. That's the only gear that has anything that's sort of laid out around it for, for grabbing during the game. The other gears, you can get resources or do things around the board based on where you land on them. The different, um, I'm not sure if they're called, there might be cities actually, I'm not, or, or temples, I think. It's only the three gods. And yeah, it's only like three Chichen gods. And yeah. I think that's more of a location. Yeah, they're different locations. The gears represent locations, I guess, in the Mayan culture. If I can read them. Palin. Palinku. Palinku. Yumaxi. Yum, yeah. Tikal. Yeah, Yumaxi, Tikal, Chicken Itza, and Yaks Chi. Oh, it's hard to read in here. Actually, I shouldn't even have to read it there. I could just go into the book and read it. Yaks Chilin. That's the one. So Palenque, Yaks Chilin, Tikal, Uxmal, and Chicken Itza. Those are the four different gears that you'll be placing on. So that's, you know, but that's the components. Uh, so how the game plays out is each turn. And then there's some additional things I should mention. With the expansion, it adds a few different additional things in there. The expansion also adds in tribes. It's called Tribes and Prophecies. So what it is, is that the uh, you'll, everybody will get a tribe. You'll get two tribes, and you'll choose one of the two tribes, and that tribe will have a special ability that you'll get throughout the game. And the prophecies are um, sort of calamities that'll happen at the end of each age. Um, the first age, or not age, um, quarter, I guess you could say, feeding day. Uh, at the end of the first feeding day, there's no calamity. So the first quarter turn around the uh, the main gear, uh, nothing bad's going to happen. But then after that, at the end of each feeding day, or during that cycle, there's going to be uh, a penalty of some type based on um, the iconography. It could be that if you want to grab wood from one of the locations, you might have to pay an extra wood or you know, you'll get one less. Um, you might, or if you want to go up on one of the temple tracks, it might cost you an extra resource or something like that. So that's what the um, the prophecies sort of do. They're like upcoming calamities that are going to happen in the game, that are, that are going to penalize you. And then at the end of those um, feeding days uh, for that particular quarter for that calamity, you'll you could gain or lose points based on um, how much of or what you're missing for a particular. Um, that particular event. So how the game basically plays out, it's either you're placing workers or you're pulling workers off. Um, and that's it. So like you only get to do one of those two things. You can place as many workers as you want in a turn, but you're sort of placing at the lowest point available on a gear. And so how the gears work, um, there's always a zero space. At the bottom of each gear is a zero. And then going up each space on that gear, it increases in... Um, corn that you have to pay to go up on that space um so it starts with zero then one then two then three and so but you always have to place on the first available space on a particular gear um the only way you can go higher you know it all depends if somebody's already there then you can j sort of jump them to go up a space 
but that's the only way really to get higher. Um, there are tribes that let you break that and place a little bit higher if you want, but usually it's your place in the first available space. And then for each additional worker you place in a turn, you'll have to pay some corn as well. And then there's a little chart showing you how much corn you have to play, pay to place the additional workers. So typically, uh, if you're placing three um, workers on your on your churn, you're going to pay, um, I think it's like two corn, one for each additional worker, and it goes up from there for more workers. But then also, if you're placing on a, a location that has a, a corn cost, you'll also be paying that corn as well. So it can get quite expensive. Starting corn, now starting resources for each person is um, random. And how that works is there's these wealth tiles. There's 21 wealth tiles. You'll mix them up, hand out four to each player, and then everybody looks through their wealth tiles, chooses two of those and discards the other two. And based on the iconography of that tile, it will depend on what you get. And the different things you can get will be uh, amount of corn. Um, it could be some additional resources. Sometimes it'll be uh, special abilities or like you might be able to go up on a technology track or up on a particular temple for a god. Um, so, so you'll start the game off with a bit of an advantage in those areas. Um, or sometimes there's even one that will uh, feed one of your workers. So when it comes to a feeding day, there's one less person you have to worry about feeding. Feeding in this game is a little different than, uh, than it was in Stone Age. In Stone Age, you have to have one food for every worker. In this one, you have to have two corn for each of your workers uh, during a feeding day. So, But there's only four feeding days in the whole game. So as you go, each quarter is a feeding day at the end of each one. Yeah, corn was more for placing people than yeah. feeding people in the end. Like You needed it on those feeding days, but it was more about being able to put out your people more than one in turn. That's right. Um, yeah, so corn is, is really, um, it's used for a couple of different things. It's Obviously, it's used for feeding, but it's also used for placing. And that can be really where it, it's more frustrating um, to have is not to be able to uh, place than it is to feed. Uh, what happens with feeding is if you can't feed a worker, um, you go down uh, three points on the track. There might also be a, you know, I don't know if it ever came up, was it, if there was a penalty for not feeding somebody on the um, temple tracks. Uh, if it was, we might have missed that. Oh, uh, dropping people down on the temple if you can feed someone? Yeah, I, I could be wrong. Uh, um, no, you have to if you beg for corn. Yeah, there's a thing where or... if, at the start of your churn, you have no corn, you can uh, beg for corn. So what happens is if you beg for corn, you'll get three corn, uh, but then you have to drop down on one of the temples. Yeah. Um, uh, the the only other one where you drop down is uh, is burning burn the, forest, the forest, right? Yeah. It's okay to chop it down, but don't burn it for don't the food. Yeah, no. So you don't go, you don't drop down on the if you can't feed your workers. Nope. The only thing, the only penalty for not feeding your workers is you lose three points per worker you cannot feed. So yeah, during your turn, you're placing workers um, along the different tracks. So once everybody's taken a turn, whether they're pulling or pulling, uh, pulling or pulling, whether they're placing or pulling, they um, after everyone's done. You rotate the the big gear one spot. Um, you place a corn on the um, on the gear that uh, just rotated. Because um, that what happened is there's also a place where you can put a worker to take the first player marker. Uh, and when you take the first player marker, at the end of the um, everyone's turn, you'll get the first player marker along with any corn that are on gears. So as the first player marker takes longer and longer to be taken from somebody, uh, more corn will be accumulated on each gear that as the wheel turns and whoever takes the first player marker will get that corn at the end of their turn or uh, at the end of the turn I should say the different 
wheels so the the main the green wheel is the one where you'll mostly get food you get food and wood and so how it works is the very first space on it is the uh, um, after the zero space is the pond so you go fishing for food food's represented by corn regardless of what kind of food it is so you're not literally pulling corn out of the fishing water for corn. <laughs> fishing, for <laughs> you're not corn. fishing for corn but you'll, you'll get some you'll get some food you get three corn if you pull off of there when you pull your worker back uh, if you pull your worker back in one of the later ones, you'll get increasing amounts of corn, and you'll take a tile representing that corn off the board. Uh, so what happens is um, the very the second space has four corn tiles. Once all those four corn tiles are gone, no one else can take corn from that particular space. And then after that, all the corn is covered by wood. So when you pull your worker from one of those spaces, you'll get the indicated amount of wood, and you'll take a wood token, which will then uncover a corn token. And then... Whoever takes corn at that space next will get corn based on what it says on the board, and they'll take that corn token. Now, as we mentioned, you can burn the forest to get to the food. So what that means is you discard the wood token, take the corn token and the equivalent amount of corn, but then because you're wasting the forest or whatever, you'll go down on one of the temple tracks. And we'll discuss the temple tracks in a little bit here. But that's the first, that's the green track. It, uh... It's mostly about getting wooden food. The last two spaces, and this is pretty common on all the gears, um, if it's not the last two, it might be the last one, mm-hmm. is if you ever get to the end of a, a gear, you can pull and then use the action of any lower space on that gear. Otherwise, if you, say, go past a particular spot and you decide, ooh, I wanted to go back a spot, you have to pay corn to go back to take the action of the previous spot on that gear. And yeah. usually it's one corn just to drop yeah. back one spot. Yeah, and it's actually you pay can go one lower. per. Yeah. One per, one, so you can go down multiple. Really, yeah. So that's the, the green one, which is... Um, Palenque. Palenque. So then the next one is uh, mostly about getting resources. And uh, that's the uh, Yaxchilin one. And so that one has a f- different resources along different each spot. So after the zero spot... There's uh, get a wood, then get one stone and get one corn. Then the next one will be get a gold and two corn. Um, and then, I think it's the fourth spot, will get you a crystal skull. And these crystal skulls are useful on the ch- uh, Chichen Itza track. So that's where you'll be using the crystal skulls. And that's one of the few places you can get crystal skulls. Like uh, That's the only gear you can get crystal skulls. There are sometimes um, bonuses you can get crystal skulls elsewhere, but that's the main way you get them. And then after the crystal skull is get a gold, a stone, and two corn. And then a couple spaces where if you pull off of those spaces, you can take any of the actions below. Uh, the next tract is the Tikal tract. This one's used mainly for improving your, your architecture or like building buildings, um, getting moving up on the technology tracts, or uh, building monuments. Um, there's also a location for... Um, going up on a couple of the temples for a resource. Um, what happens is when you pull off of one of the advanced on a technology, so if you pull your meeple off or your little pawn off of there, you can, um, there's two different places where you can do it. The first one will let you move up on one of the four different tracks, one space, and then on each track it costs a resource based on what level you're at. So if you're, on the, if you're moving up to the first level, you pay one resource. Second level's two, third level's three, and then there's a fourth level, which isn't really a place you go to. It's sort of a when you pay the resources to go to that fourth level, you bounce back to the third, but you'll get a, a reward for hitting it. 
and you can hit it multiple times. Um, there's also a place where you can advance twice on a single track or advance once on two different tracks, paying the resources based on where you land on that technology track. Um, then there's buildings. You can um, There's a place for building a single building. And the build, all the buildings have different costs. You know, it could be a few gold. It could be um, gold or usually if it takes a gold, it's one of the higher end buildings that you're, you're going to get and have a good re reward. Um, a lot of the beginning buildings will take wood um, and then maybe some stone and maybe once in a while some, some gold. But there's a place where you can build one building. And then up from there is the place where you can build two buildings. And Or if you don't want to build the two buildings, you can build a monument. Um, and how the buildings and monuments work is there's a, a track of, I think it's like six or eight uh, monuments. It's six. So there's, a, there's six monuments that go across this little um, board. Uh, those never get refreshed. So as soon as someone builds one of those monuments, it's gone and nothing replaces it. Below it is a place for six buildings. And those will get refreshed after some, a player's turn. So if a player builds one or two of those buildings after he's done, they'll slide over and then a couple of new ones will come in. Um, so that one always gets refreshed. And there's two levels of buildings in the game. During the first two feeding ages or feeding uh, quarters is uh, age, um, age one buildings. And then once you pass that second feeding day, then you move to the age two buildings and they get a little bit better. But then it tend to cost a little bit more as well sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. And then the last place on that particular uh, gear is where you can spend a resource, one or two resources. Let me just double check that. Where you spend a resource to go up on two different temples. Um, I mentioned the temples before a few times. Um, there's three temples on the board on the top corner. Everyone starts at the zero track unless they had a particular wealth tile that let them automatically move up on one of those temples at the beginning. And each spot on a temple will have a number of points associated with it. And sometimes it might also have a resource associated with it. And during the feeding days, there's two different types of feeding days. Uh, one is a sort of a resource feeding day where you feed your workers and you gain resources from the temples based on where you are in those particular temples. And then there's the uh, second feeding days where you, uh, after you feed your workers, you get points based on where you are on the, on the temples. And uh, you'll get a number of points based on your location, but then also whoever's the highest on a particular temple may get some additional points as well. Um, any ties will split the points um, for that particular temple. Uh, there's also a negative one spot, so if, if you burn down the forest or if you... Um, beg for food and you're on the zero spot then you go down to the negative one spot but you can't go below the negative one um, that's the lowest you can go on a particular temple um, after the tikal that's the red gear is the uksmal uh, yellow gear and this one has a lot to do with corn um, and it's also how you can get additional workers so the first spot is you pay three corn and lets you go off on one of the tracks or one of the temples I should say uh, the next spot is for trading where you can trade corn for resources based on a on the market uh, space, which just shows you, it's usually like two for two corn for a wood, three corn for a stone, and four corn for a gold. You can also trade the other way on that space, and too. you can go back and forth. That's right. So it's not just one way trading. You can convert uh, resources into corn as well with that. Um, after the trading one is gain additional worker, and as soon as you have that worker at the next feeding, you know, um, feeding day, you have to be able to feed him as well or lose points. Um, after him, it comes the, um, there's a special building, um, 
location. And this is a location where if you take it, you can build any building, but you have to pay corn instead of resources. And for every resource, it's uh, two corn. So regardless of what resources it needs, it's two corn per resource required for that building. So if that building needs two wood, it would cost you four corn to build that build that building. So um, if, you, if you accumulate a lot of corn, it's a good way to build something if you don't have the appropriate resources. And then um, the last um, space that actually has a, an action associated with it is pay one corn, and then you can take the action of any um, different uh, location on, on any of the gears, except for the blue gear. So the, the yellow, gray, or tan, uh, green, or red gears and you can take any action space and use it as if you had been there and again at the end there's a couple spaces where if you take off of there you can use any of the lower spaces and then there's chicken itza this is the space that's totally related to advancing on the temples so um there's quite a few uh, spaces on this particular gear it's a fairly it's a larger gear and this is where you're going to need crystal skulls uh, i believe there is let's see here one two three. there's a total of um nine spaces on this board and then there's one space where if you pull off of it, you can use any of the spaces below. And what happens is there's three spaces associated with each temple. And when you pull off of a space, uh, as long as there isn't a crystal skull already there, you can place a crystal, spall, a crystal skull there. You'll get a number of points based on that space, and you'll advance once on the track um, of, that of the associated with temple. And sometimes there might be, you can also gain a resource of your choice. Uh, some of them will also give you a resource. And so that's what that gear does totally. It's just about advancing on the temples and you, you need to have crystal skulls in order to um, to play, to uh, pull from there. You can always pull from there. You can, like anything with this game, you can always pull a worker and not take the associated um, action if you really needed to. Um, you know, you're trying to avoid that, you know, whenever possible, but it's always an option if you have nothing else you can do. So that's the different the gears that you'll advance on. And then the last thing is the technology tracks. There's a total of four technology tracks. Um, the first one, uh, and they tend to relate to diff the different gears. So the first one is all about additional food. So each level up on the track um, will either get you additional food when you pull off of the green uh, gear, um, or it can get you um, the second level on the track will get you an additional food when you fish. Uh, but it also has the ability that if there's no corn tiles available at a particular location on the green track, if you um, you can still get corn from that location even, uh, where normally you wouldn't be able to. So as long as you got the second level of that gear, you're always going to be able to pull corn from somewhere on the on the green track on the green gear. Uh, the second one is about getting additional resources, and as you advance on these um, technologies, you tend to get the benefits of the lower levels of the technology um, the one kind of weird exception is the second um, technology track which is uh, about getting resources the first one is about getting additional wood which is actually works for both the green and the uh, the tan uh, gears uh, the second location or the second level of the track gets you additional stone when you pull stone from the um, the tan gear and then the last one is the uh, additional gold when you pull gold from the tan gear so when you pull gold, you don't also get stone and wood. It's just whenever you pull a particular type of resource from those gears, you'll get additionals of that resource. Which is one location on the tan where you get additional gold and stone. And stone. So you'll get, if you're up the, at but the third level. But never all three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, there's no place for all three 
for you to get all three. That's right. Uh, the third technology track actually applies to both the uh, the yellow and the red um, uh, gears, and it's all about building. So it's a uh, rewards you get or when you when you um, build a building when you construct a building. Let's say that uh, the first one is whenever you construct, you'll get a a corn. Uh, the second level, when you construct, you'll get two points, and the third level. Uh, when you construct, you pay one less resource of your choice. So if that building needs three wood, you'll only pay two wood, that kind of thing. And then each location I also mentioned has a fourth level that you don't really land on. You sort of advance to and then go back to the third level. For the food one, if you advance to that fourth level, you'll get to go up on one of the temples. On the resource one, when you advance to it, you get two resources of your choice. On this uh, third one for the red and yellow, if you advance to it, you'll get three victory points. And then there's the fourth technology track, which is more geared towards uh, the Chitin Itza gear. Uh, the first level, uh, when you take advantage of it, allows you, when you pull your pawn, to place your crystal skull on the level above where you are so it's like letting you jump a space like go up an additional space in a way uh the second um level on that track lets you also whenever you place a crystal skull pay a resource to go up on one of the tracks um, one of the temples i should say and then the last the last one is you'll whenever you pull a crystal skull from the tan gear it lets you get an additional crystal skull and then its fourth location is if you ever advance to the fourth one, you just get a crystal skull. So that's the different technology tracks. And um, as you advance on each technology track, uh, the first level costs you one resource of any type. The second level costs two resources. And then the third level costs three resources. And then to bump yourself to the fourth level just costs one resource. And then the thing with the, the monuments and the buildings, there's a number of different buildings and they all do different little things. Um, there are some buildings that will help you feed your workers. It could be like there's a building that will let you feed one worker for free and then you just have to worry about feeding the rest of them. Uh, there's buildings that will let you feed um, all of your workers one corn so that you don't even have to worry about feeding everybody the second corn. So it sort of cuts your uh, your food production and our food needs in half. Various ones will let you advance up on the different um, temples. There are some that will let you advance on the technology tracks without having to pay any resources. Sometimes it'll be a specific technology track, or sometimes it'll be a technology track of your choice. And then also sometimes they'll have additional rewards, like you build this building and get a stone. Or you build this particular building, and you can build a second building um, right away, as long as you have the appropriate resources. Temples are similar, but they're a lot more expensive. They take Usually gold is involved, and um, quite a few other resources as well. And those will the monuments will t affect endgame scoring. Um, so depending on what the picture is on the monument, you'll get additional points at the end of the game if you meet its requirements or if, um, you know, you'll get, you'll get points based on the number of buildings or whatever it is, that particular monument. So that's how the monuments work. And those don't get refreshed, whereas the buildings, as you buy them after, uh, at the end of your turn, they'll get refreshed and additional buildings will come out. I think that's essentially it. I mentioned there's also the prophecies that comes with the expansion. And so those are different... Uh, calamities that'll happen. Um, like I said, the first uh, food after the first, there's nothing for the first food day or first food um, quarter. Uh, nothing bad will happen. Um, after that, then there's three uh, different calamities, and you know ahead of time what they are, so you can plan ahead for them. And um, there's random, there's a number of them that come with it, and you'll just have to pay attention to any additional costs that'll come up based on particular resources that you might need or 
tracts you want to go up on if that particular calamity is in play. And then at the end of each food day um, for that particular um, prophecy, you uh, could potentially lose points if you don't have um, any of or haven't advanced on an appropriate tract or don't have any of the particular resources that calamity is referencing. You could potentially lose points, but if you have if you do have the resources or are so far along on the certain tracks, you can also gain points at those um, particular times as well. Other than that, you, know, you get some additional buildings that come with the expansion. Um, you get the ability of a fifth player, and this is what we missed out on our um, playthrough of the first time. We played five players. There's a special quick action spot um, because with five players, it gets really crowded on the gears. Um, they give you a special quick action spot and with each um, each couple uh, turns on the main big gear, there's an associated little tile that'll come out onto this quick action spot that people can go to, that'll allow them to get you know resources or this or advance on various tracks. And it's like a it still costs you the appropriate amount of corn to go there if you have to pay corn based on the number of players or your workers you're placing. But it, it just gives an extra little place that people can go. Up to three people can go there. And there's also the um, and it still has, gives you the location where if you want to take the first player uh, marker, you can and get, gain the corn or whatever. But um, that's something we missed on our uh, our first playthrough is that little quick action spot, which would have made things a little a little different, made it a little bit easier, I guess. Uh, but that's uh, essentially how you play Zolkan. I don't think I missed too much there. Tribes. 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 Oh, oh yeah. Tribes. yeah. I did mention the tribes at the beginning. So there's uh, everybody gets it you know, at the very beginning when we're setting up, everyone gets two tribes to choose from and then you take one of those tribes and play with it the tribes have varying powers um and you know it could be as simple as if you start your turn it is the bakab where if you start your turn with no corn you automatically get two corn without having to beg and then if you do beg and you go down a step on the temple you'll get four corn whereas normally when you beg you get three that's like one of the maybe lower powered tribes and then there's some higher powered ones where you can really play around with your positioning on the gears there's one tribe that when you pull off of one gear, you can take the corresponding action on a, a different gear of the same location. Um, so that's like probably one of the more powerful tribes. So they do vary in, in uh, strength, and you do get to choose from your initial couple tribes, but they just add a little bit something, like give you the variable payer powers that you don't normally have in this game, whereas everybody's equal, and this one makes it a little different. So something to, um, to think about when you're playing. I think they're a good addition, just some of the tribes aren't quite as balanced as they should be they're a little weak yeah well and that sort of comes with i guess with games that have variable player powers like when you when you look at um i'm trying to think of games like that when you look at games like uh um, cosmic encounter which is a totally kind of different game from this but everybody's playing an alien race and so you look at some of those races and they're wildly different in, in ability. So this sort of lens, I guess, maybe they're trying to go for that kind of feel with these tribes, whereas some tribes, you know, may have like a really, really good ability and some maybe not so much. Even so, um, in our couple playthroughs, I don't know, except for maybe one tribe that maybe got maybe a little bit more play than others, I don't think they were too overbalancing. No, I don't think there's any that are like super overpowered in yeah. some way that like make it impossible for the rest. I think there's just two maybe three tribes that yeah. i was like no these could be taken from the game and and not affect too and much it would yeah. like improve the game because no one wants to be stuck with these right 
in, in my experiences, uh, so the, the first game, I, I actually had a tribe that Randall ended up with in the game that we yep. played this morning. And in, in that first game, I, I essentially, I didn't get to use it at all, which is, you know, I think that that was, it, it kind of tainted my initial view of, of the expansion. And then I, you know, like, here I've got this tribe that, you know, I, I really didn't get to use at all. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I, I maybe used it once, right. got, got its, its benefit. But, you know, in that same game, I'm looking at, you know, everybody else making use of their tribe. Mm-hmm. So my initial reaction was, yeah, my, you know, like this, this tribe is, is lame. Like, I mean, there's just no benefit to this, really. Right. Um, whereas all these other ones that I'm seeing, you know, seem to be giving everybody this great yeah. advantage. And that was the Bacab. And that's the one <laughs> yeah. where if you have no corn at the beginning of your turn or less than two corn, you fill up to two corn without having to beg. Yeah. Which um, I did. I had in this last game we played, and I did use it a couple times. Yeah. The first time I used it, you know, I, I filled up to two corn. It maybe it wasn't hugely beneficial for me. It didn't because you know, the way I played my turn that round, it didn't matter. But I think the second time it, it was it was helpful. I can't remember. Yeah, and 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 so you know we you know played a game this morning just to kind of refresh ourselves and and you know give give us an opportunity to have a, another go at uh, the expansion to see if it you know playing with different tribes maybe changed our minds about it yeah um so the you know the tribe that i got today was one that i had seen somebody else use in a previous game right that you know was really beneficial for them so i think you know oh great i finally get one that mm-hmm. you know oh okay a good tribe for once and uh i i i only and it really didn't affect my gameplay in any, in any way whatsoever i used it once in my very last turn yeah um and and got zero benefit out of it, like <laughs> and, no benefit. It was, and, it, and it was mostly because you didn't have enough corn. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I I don't know. It it almost seems like you you need the, you know, in in a way. And it's not like that that this happens so much. But you you almost need the stars to align a little bit in order for you to see the benefit in that. True. I'm not sure that I could I could plan my, you know, my gameplay to take advantage of it right it, it might help you at one one or two places but i don't think that i could plan on on using its its advantage i you, think it's a your tribe in particular is almost a stronger earlier game tribe where you don't have to pay a lot of corn on say the first step you can place a guy like one guy if you're say last to go or something you can place it on step three and know that next turn you can put down two people and pull him off and have that advantage over everybody else in a sense without having to have paid yeah. the corn. But yeah, and, and, and well, and, it is and, one of the weaker ones in my opinion. That was one of the ones that was kind of borderline. Yeah, I could take it out of the game and not be sad to see it go. It, it has its uses. Yeah, yeah I think I, I when I, when I looked at it, I, I could see how you know that that seems like a big advantage. Um, the advantage my my tribe had today was. Was I could place two workers. When you, when you place two workers, you have the ability yeah, two to or more. Two yeah. or more, yeah. And, and then I could pull a worker within the exact same turn, whereas normally you can either place or pull. Right. So, you know, this on, on paper it sounds seems great. really yeah. great. Yeah. But when you, you know, you start to look at, oh, okay, well, what do I have to do to get those particular balls in motion? And it just really didn't come up all that often where, okay, I've got, I've got a worker out there. That I, you know, oh, I'm going to time this perfectly so that I can place two out there and pull this guy back. 
it you know it it could it, it takes could, a I mean, specific it, very, planning I yeah, think it very did specific. happen at the very end of the game but I again I you know I I didn't see a lot of opportunities where I could kind of make then, that happen I think I see the, that's why I was saying there's a couple tribes that are I would consider like tier one tribes they're they're the ones where you want to see them and then there's these tier two tribes where you're going to use them once or twice a game they're not gonna like the tribe I had this morning was I could skip my turn. I didn't have to pull or place and I'd get two corn for it. I used it twice. And and twenty eight turns approximately I think we're doing in this game. Pretty close, yeah. yeah. It, Sometimes four. Yeah. It, yeah. It's using it twice, it's not having that huge impact. It it did give me an advantage in two turns. But it wasn't that, like so important that it was going to make or break the game. Yeah, and, and to that end, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still not sold on the entire expansion because of that. If if there's almost no impact in in having that in having these tribes, it almost seems like like what's the point? Yeah, right. and then but, there's those tier three tribes where you just don't want them because you're never really gonna use them. Yeah. So if you don't get the tier one tribes, which can have a drastic like the first time we played with tribes, I had the one where I could gain a corn by going down on whatever track mm-hmm. I was on. And so I could skip my spot and know that I was gaining more resources by skipping it. And yeah. it kind of throws people off of your strategy as well because what are you doing? You just skip something that I thought you were going to do. Yeah. Right. And then you pay down the next turn. Well, gain something the next turn to gain it. That was an excellent tribe. Yeah. But most of the other ones, yeah, you could do without them. Mm-hmm. Like, who needs them? But the the part of the, of the expansion that I do like... Is is the is the use of the prophecies, right? You know that that adds, uh, you know, a little bit of a little bit more depth to the game. You have to plan to have you know this specific resource, or you have to plan to be at a certain technology level, um, or you have to plan on you know being at a certain point in one of the temples, you know, or at least on you know on there, right? Um, you know, and and so. You know, as you're as you're going along, and and it doesn't seem like a uh, you know that you have to be worried about it that that quickly. Oh, I've got seven turns before the end of this. You know, before I reach mid, you know, middle age or end of age, and you know, I've got this time. I can I can plan for. That. But you know, it, depending it on your twist, yeah, that you need. Yeah, that might. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might kind of upset your apple cart a little bit in that you know I really want to go after you know these resources or or this technology, but I have to worry about that thing. Yeah, you know. Or I um, want to pay for like a building yeah. or something, but if I spend all this wood and gold right now, I won't have enough in the yep. next age where it's a penalty to get it, and I'll lose points if I don't have any of it. Yeah. yeah. So you're kind of stockpiling before because you know that there's an issue in the next age that's going to, well, even if you have so many crystal skulls or something, say, yep. you'll get 13 points at the end of the age because you've yep. managed to stockpile. I mean, that was probably the hardest calamity. Yeah, there was, was that one desecration. Yeah. And it costs you every time you get a if if you're in the middle of that um prophecy, every time you take a crystal skull from anywhere, you go down on a temple. Yeah. And yeah. so you're going down on a temple, and then you know, you have to have five plus skulls in your supply, because you can't have placed them in order to get, you know, thirteen points, sure. You only have to have one or two in your supplies to avoid any kind of penalty. And if I mean if that's coming in the last age you're yeah are you going to stockpile crystal skulls to get 13 points are you going to spend them on the track and use five crystal skulls to get like 50 points get a whole bunch of points off the temples yeah 
you really want those points in the temples. But if it's yeah. early, it you're not going to get it. Yeah, because like, there's only one place you can get the skulls, and that's a, like at the fourth lo- location on that mm, one track. No, you, you can you can actually get them in a, in a couple places. So well, that's the main there, one. There, yeah, there is the the theology technology. Yeah, if you get all the way up on that technology, yeah. you get free skulls. Um, yes. <laughs> there's. Uh, uh, what, what is the what is the gear where you would normally get it for resources? Um, that's the, um, the the tan one I've been calling yeah, it, but that's the um, I can't remember, I can't remember uh, the name. The Yaks Chillin. Yeah, um, the the other place is on one of the temples. Yeah, now, it's not, it's not, yeah, it's, you you would get yeah. that on on a feeding day, um, but so the, there are a couple places where you could get that. The the other Oxmall, I think, because you can. That's right. You can go you can, to the Crystal Skull spot if you go yeah, up. That's pay like one you can use corn. Any, any yeah, spot. exactly. So yeah. I mean. There, there are places to, to get those things, but but I think Jeff's right. I mean, obvi- you know, obviously, you know, placing the crystal skull on on Chichen Itza, um, you know, even if you're not getting the top spots, is going to be worth more than that. Yeah. yeah so because yeah, on Chichen Itza, they, the point values range from I think the most 13, expensive is thirteen. Was the top one. Yeah. 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 So thirteen for the most, and I think it's as low as uh, four for the 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 very first spot. So, um, yeah. So again, you know, I, I really did. I really like the prophecies. Not, you know, I'm still not sold on on the tribes, and so I kind of looked at that and said, well, you know, for for the half of the expansion that I that I do like, you know, I don't want to pay that much money for it. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it could be a bit it, pricey. It, yeah. Um, so and with more experience, that some of the tribes' abilities might maybe. seem better. I, yeah, and I hope I'm not just you know crapping on it because. I don't know how to use them properly. Maybe I might. I might actually be doing that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because really, if I'm going to be playing with the prophecies, I, I'm, yeah. I'll throw in the tribes anyways. They're sure. there, you know. Well, like and... I said, you know, our, our second play today, it, it wasn't as, you know, like I, I really had a negative view of them uh, the first time that that yeah. we played. Um, well, you got your choice. You got two tribes, mm-hmm. and you you had two of almost the worst yeah. tribes that I, I'm going through them with some experience of the game and seeing what their yeah. abilities were. Well, you had a choice of two crappers, essentially. But, but at the same time. I don't, I don't think it's that bad a trap because no. I had it this time. I only used it a couple of times. But there's so many times when I didn't have it. Or, and even today, there were times where you had no corn. Yep. Just a couple where of corn totally would have yes. helped a lot. Yeah. So, But that's what I mean by, you know, some sometimes the stars have to align they for do. you to see the yeah. advantage in it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it they... I don't feel like they took anything away from the game by including them. No. So, you know, I'd be I'd be happy to play with the expansion included, but I don't know is the value there for yeah, the money. Yeah, that, that I would go out and get sure, it. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But again, like if if I, you know, uh, you know, subsequent plays if I or if, you know, through reading people's strategies online or whatever, I find out that yeah, I was just horrible at this game and <laughs> playing them stupidly then yeah, I I I might pick it up. Yeah. Well, I, I think also you were hurting in that first <clears throat> playthrough because we didn't. We had five players. Yeah, that was a big thing on that. We and played I five players. Last. Yeah. And we for, and I, we, I didn't include the uh, the quick action slots, which I should have. And because yeah, when with five players, if you don't include those quick action spots, yeah, you're you're so hurting for spaces. Yeah. Well, to play. and when you don't yeah. have, I, I, you're I only getting two corn. I literally yeah. could not place a single worker in that. In, in my first turn in that yeah, game because it's just so expensive to play something yeah yeah I, cu- I couldn't afford you know everybody had taken all the zero one two and three tracks and um 
you know, my, my starting wealth tiles, I had chosen to advance my technologies rather than take yeah, know, there weren't a lot corn. of corn on them. Yeah, and and so I yeah I I literally could not afford to place any of my workers, and so, you know I, I think I think even at the start um, I I can't remember what I did about that whether I you might I have had to take the first player marker because it's the first player yeah. one um, which doesn't no I think that had gone before he went already on the first game yeah already? on the first because there was something it someone wanted to be able because we were Maybe. so crowded yeah you needed first player it didn't matter if you're getting rewarded for the corn on the wheel or not you wanted to be able to place on those zero spots that were yes. coming available yeah because yeah. it really blocked your strategies of where you're going to mm. be placing if you couldn't go first yeah i don't know you must have been in a place somewhere because i don't recall you not yeah i i, skip, I really don't remember i just remember thinking but like, it could have taken all your corn no to do options it yeah. Here. yeah but you know that being said i mean i i I really uh, have been impressed with this game. Yeah. The, the first time I thinkier. saw it. You really have to plan a lot of strategizing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because your well, polling is happening two, maybe three turns later. Yeah, you're, you're, like, you're planning for a ahead. And you, you get like three workers out there. And, you know, you want certain workers to get to a certain point. But you have to pull. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, which one can I sacrifice to get something less now so that I can get something better later, right? You're really thinking that through. And with a four-player, even five-player game, there's multiple strategies that can yes. win the game. Like, you can yep. go for a Crystal Skull strategy and get the top points, like, gain mm -hmm. all your points early so that you're so far ahead that someone who's using monuments, for instance, right. isn't going to catch up. Mm -hmm. Then there's the temple, temple strategy, strategy, getting all the points for those in the two ages that they score points. Mm -hmm. So, and then there's the buildings. Yeah. So there's yeah. there's multiple different ways that you can go about getting your points in this game, and with four players, I I can see with two players, and I've read on Board Game Geek, two players the game's kind of one side because there's only one real strategy to yeah, yeah to win by, but with four players it opens up a whole level of complexity that you can't just focus on one thing. You need to be worrying about what. Where mm -hmm. you're going to be able to place people, right? What yeah. someone else is doing with the temples, for instance, because you have to worry about blocking them. Yeah. And crystal skulls. If you're letting someone get all the crystal skull spots, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, you're, you're getting a lot of points off those skulls. And um, what was I going to say? Um, well, in, in in comparison, like Stone Age and, and Zolkin, um, and this may not be like a, a, a an entirely fair comparison, but it it in as far as the um, depth and strategy is concerned of those two games. It's a little bit like chess or chess versus checkers. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, Stone Age. It's it's you know, and that's not to say that it's in any way. Uh, it's not a slam a, on. Yeah, it. like that. No. no, I I really like Stone Age. In fact, I didn't own either of these games before we decided to compare them. Yeah. And now I own them both. <laughs> so yeah. I I really enjoyed Stone Age. Um, but there is so much depth in in Zolkin. The um, you know needing to plan ahead yeah i'm 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 placing these you know these workers and then um you know i'll pick them up when they get to like the fourth or fifth step of this of you know of this gear and and oh but i have to take something before that and you know i want to purchase that you know that building so that i can advance myself in this technology so that i can you know move myself up in this temple you know five turns from now or even something like uh i don't know if you mentioned this in the rules i didn't hear it the move the track by two turns that's if one you thing take i missed first player right. so um when you take the first player marker um after everyone's gone and you get the first player marker when but when you go to advance the gear um there's a thing where everybody has a little just a little board that sort of 
shows you how the point costs work and it has two sides, a light side and a dark side. And you have the choice to flip it um, to advance the gear uh, twice instead of once. Um, so that can really make a difference um, to how the placement of the gears works for everybody. Mm-hmm. You can't advance it twice if it's going to push somebody off of the last space of a of a loca- one of the gears. Mm-hmm. And um, you, uh, you don't avoid feeding days with it. So if you advance it twice and it goes past a feeding day, then that new round that you're on becomes the feeding day. So that's the yeah I didn't mention that you're yeah, right yeah and it it yeah. can drastically change what's happening in a game yeah. because if someone <laughs> skips you over your turn and they're right behind you to steal the spot that you've been building up to yeah. all of a sudden your entire plan for that guy who might have been on that track <laughs> for four turns is wasted yeah or yeah. you have to pay corn that you may no, not to have to down. use a, a lower action yeah, yeah. that's exactly what jeff did to me today. <laughs> <laughs> he, mo- he moved me one past the spot i wanted and, yeah. I didn't and you didn't have, have the, the corn, corn. To, to buy down yeah. and that's a powerful thing there's four of us yeah. playing today and we all use that yeah, at some point we all advanced it twice at some point yeah yep. yeah so that's like four essentially four rounds that were taken off of the game yeah out of 28 because we all advance it twice. At some yeah, point. and that's that can be that can be really important. Yeah, it shortens the game a bit, and it can really affect the whole layout. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. There, there are so many, uh, and no pun intended, considering that you know how the board is made. There's so many moving parts in this game. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, it, it, there, there's loads of op- opportunity for different strategies, and at, at the same time, there's there's you know ways to interrupt other people's. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, in fact, today's yeah. I, I had I had started started to go down the the chichen itza crystal skull strategy yeah and and then you know randall switched switched <laughs> gears again no no pun intended and <laughs> and all of a sudden he's getting crystal skulls and joining me on the board yeah and, and uh so okay i'll switch to to you know going after something else and it was yeah it's just yeah and there's it's like, so much going on and it's a kind of game but and we did see it a couple times we played this a few times now and we had seen it where someone can sort of run away with it a bit yeah um today's game was a bit closer but still um the winner today was my wife anek and she um she had stuck mostly to the temple strategy granted i was sort of all over the place with my strategy so well it's the second time we've played where the temple strategy outright won the game though it's true it, it does seem to be the more powerful strategy well, i don't know that it's more really powerful i think it's if everyone starts off doing something else in a four-player game in particular, yeah. it's like I went for buildings. I purposely stayed away from the temple strategy because yeah. I'd used it the yeah. game before, and I wanted to try other aspects of the game out. So I went for building and trying to get monuments. Right. And it would have won me the game, but you, you built a monument that I wanted in the last <laughs> turn. That it's yeah, Randall like, really upset everybody's apple cart. Yeah, right. so that, that prevented me from getting somewhere close to... yeah. 27 points almost yeah that would didn't win me anything but i did i came in second but it, so but yeah we were so close we were very you, close you leapfrogged me because of it yeah and we're ahead and uh, nick still ran away with it because we our strategies competed with each other where yeah. no one was competing with her strategy so in a four-player game you have to be looking at what other people are doing yep. and try and disrupt them yeah, rather than just to. focus solely on what you're doing and go i'm going to put my blinders on to what everyone else is doing and just do this yeah so it that cost me it was i mean i was trying purposely to see exactly how that would go about mm-hmm. but i mean you can't ignore your other three players when you're especially with how powerful the temples can be for points 
when you get those bonuses if you let that person get bonuses for all three temples that's oh, a yeah. lot of points yeah i mean I, I came in dead last in this one and and i i had i had dominated one of the temples that's true but you know still i mean yeah they they that's what kept me at least remotely close, close. to you guys yeah was, yeah was that and and being able to get the the two highest you know skull placements on chichen itza yeah early so, points the, if you can yeah, I, I drew first blood points. and then came dead last. So yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, I, I'm just so impressed with the, um, you know, even the look. I, I think the the theme of of using the you know the Mayan calendar mm-hmm. and how unique the the board is, um, you know, the fact that there's so much depth in in the you know the strategies and yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to playing this a lot more. Yeah, so I think. We've pretty much discussed this one out. Yep. Um, so we can go to our, our um, decisions on this one. When you compare the two games, yeah, um, Stone Age, um, excellent game, but it, it is more of a almost like a beer and pretzel kind of game. Mm-hmm. It's lighter. It's um, the kind of game where everyone you, you can you have a strategy. You're, you're playing with the strategy, but you can also you know just socialize a little bit as you're playing it because your, your decisions during your turn aren't huge. You know, they're not like groundbreaking. It's like, oh, do I want to go for this resource or this resource? I'll go here. And then someone well, else will take their turn. A single turn is you placing on one location. And it's going to come back to you. It's going to come back to you. And yeah, you yeah. can see what other people are doing and then place again. Yeah. yeah I think in Stone Age, you're, you're looking at... You're, you're not even really, really looking too far ahead. You're looking yeah. at the this best turn. option that I have at the moment. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Because you might say, oh, I'd really like that civilization card. So maybe I'll place there now and hope I get what I need for it. Yeah. As opposed to... Or you can gamble if it's like a four resource card that yeah. it'll drop down next turn yeah. to like two or something right it's like it's do i be want around. that artifact at four resources or do i want to hope someone's not going to grab yeah. it and yeah. let it kind of come down in price right whereas zolkin it's throughout the whole game what are you like, doing three turns from now? yeah yeah, yeah like, okay where do i want to be when and i okay, I got a plan for this okay or <laughs> even not paying attention to when last turn's coming up so yeah. that you have something to do on the last turn because if you're <laughs> pulling your people off on the second last turn yeah, last no... turn comes up and there's no point in placing yeah, you, yeah yeah and at least you had a tribe that if you skip your turn i you got, got a couple something. corn yeah so that wasn't so bad <laughs> but i completely surprised by oh no oh, last turn last turn and i just Crap. have to pull people this turn great yeah yeah totally so um so yeah, I would have to say that out of the two games, I think Zolkin is is my winner. Um, I love both games. I'll play both games. I'm going to keep both games. Um, but if I, I I do like my a little bit deeper strategy games, and this is one of those. This is definitely one where you have to think and you have to plan and you're 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 trying for things. So I, I, I'm going with Zolkin on this one. For me, I I have to choose Zolkin as well because yeah. the in depth strategy. Uh, and again, Stone Age is an excellent game. My only complaint is that you can't take first player and you have to watch right. it go around. But again, as an introduction game, it is an excellent introduction to worker placement, and it's much easier to play. Yeah. So it it has its place. It's an enjoyable game, but mm-hmm. overall, Zolkin is also for me. I, I don't know. I can't add too much more to that. Yeah. I, I think I would introduce Stone Age to my family, but you know, I'd be playing Zulkin with with people that actually game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. And yep. again, you know, like I, I I can't really say enough about how how kind of cool and unique this game is. Super colorful. Mm-hmm. And, That's always nice. Yeah. Which is yeah, especially in, in worker placement games because you know with with some of the the Euro type games, it's you know it's, it's very you know duochromatic it's yeah. you know very yellow and brown 
and uh, you won't get that with this one. No, but, uh, and this one's yeah. also one that people t- tend to pimp out a little bit and buy um, mm-hmm. the gears. They have these like nice little patterns on them, but because it's you know, just plastic, it's all one color. And quite often you look online, people have taken those gears and painted them up a little bit to and make so them look really like stone, make them just pop, really yeah. pop. Yeah, and so there's stuff like that you can do with it too if you're if you're so inclined. Yeah. I, I haven't. I'm not. <laughs> I tend to be kind of lazy that way. But you know, uh, it's it's definitely something you can do if you if you're uh, if you like to. Um, but uh, there you go. Yeah, it's, I'm uh, giving it to Zolkin. Zolkin's the uh, unanimous winner on this one on this uh, episode. That's great. Um, so next we're going to go on to. Uh, talking about some Imperial Assault. Um, not a lot has uh, really changed recently. Like the last preview has finally come out, so we'll get to talk about Jabba. Um, and then so going on from here, um, we'll probably have to start coming up with some actual topics to talk about, <laughs> and, you know, like um, strategies and that kind of thing and building how to build your uh, your lists and, and, and so on. So... Um, after today, uh, we'll try to get you some more actual info you can use. But today, we'll mainly just be talking about Jabba. Um, his preview's finally up, and we can talk about uh, how he looks. Yeah, I'd like to say that the the most exciting thing about this is that it's the last preview before this stuff's actually going to start hitting the stores. Yes, and, and hopefully I can, it's going to be soon. And I can mortgage my soul to buy all this. Because <laughs> um, I think it's going to be another it, big expansion. Actually, um, it's going to be like on the size of Hoth, it yeah. looks like. So that's going to be a you know a good in Canadian dollars you know around eighty dollar oh, yeah. expansion. But like I said, I, I you know I'd like to say that was the most exciting thing, but uh, Jabba looks really interesting. He does. Yeah, he looks pretty sweet. <clears throat> yeah, this is this is gonna. I, I well, and, and I think we've said this before with with a lot of these um, uh, the new uh, figs that are coming out that we're likely going to see them you know all right away as people you know. Test them, test them out, and feel them. Well, and they they yeah. look like they fill it, they that specific role that Scum has been lacking. Yes, so it's gonna give Scum that I think that final boost to competitiveness that they've been needing, and well, whether and or not I, it displaces the current meta, we'll we'll find out pretty quickly. Yeah. But but and and I I think you know you had mentioned before the before the show that um, you have a specific thought on on this. I I think. You know, just looking at Jabba, yeah, this is uh, this isn't just going to hit the table as people test it, but I think it's actually going to make a change. Yeah, it's going to surprise people who aren't ready mm-hmm. for him, uh, yeah, quite drastically because yeah. Jabba he brings something to the game that we haven't seen before for and six points. Yeah, six points. Uh, yeah, it's... Ten health. He is slow oh, <laughs> with yeah. his two speed. He, but he's not meant to go no, anywhere. He won't be moving. <laughs> yeah. But he is a leader. Yeah. Which Scum yes. hasn't had. No, he's the first leader. He's a smuggler and a hunter, so it gives the Scum another smuggler. And which they don't have many. They of, don't have yeah. many, but no. it gives them that extra model to make a few yeah. of their smuggler cards possibly work. And I'm I'm a little yeah I get a little raised eyebrow about the hunter issue. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I think it's I'm sure there that's to just to open just up the, the command cards. Yeah. yeah, to help him synergize with <laughs> but the rest of the. Then you look yeah. at his actions, and are you really are you really worrying about what his leader and smuggler and hunter are? Because no. you're going to be using bully. I mean, yeah. oh yeah, uh, under duress deck with him. You get him close enough that if people are unfortunate enough to be close to within three squares of him, he can bully them as an action, which means they suffer three strain. Yeah, and, and, and that's and you know unless they're so wounded, 
uh, who's gonna get rid of six command cards yeah six command cards no matter what six command cards opposed to three wounds is drastic that that paired with under duress is just ridiculous yeah Yeah. no it's a no it's no brainer you're gonna have them you need to stay the hell away from this hut and then he gets incentivized and now this this is where he replaces gideon because he doesn't have to stay anywhere near no. to your aren't the rest of your forces to use this skill it is choose a figure uh, well specifically choose a scum figure of your choice and they become focused yeah. no, it has to be scum so again really good gideon yeah. has to be in line of sight it's i mean not hard to get gideon in line of sight mm-hmm. but there's those times where you want to focus someone who's you know being blocked by your own figure or something yeah. that it can be a little bit inconvenient but he doesn't have to be in danger to focus people yeah he's really interesting that He's got bully, which makes him, you know, somebody you want to try to avoid. But he's so good with his other abilities that yes. you have to take him out. Yeah, you don't. You have to get him. close to him. You have to get close to him because then he has scheme, <laughs> which allows scum to draw an extra command card every round. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, and that one's that's nasty too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I looking at his abilities, I don't. I don't think there's one thing on here that's not nasty. In a yeah, way. yeah. Although his nefarious gains, his nefarious gains does yes. nothing, and and it's well, not, it's not an entire activation. No, you you defeat a fig, and you get a victory point. One victory point, point, yeah. Yeah, but but you're he's just using first... that to pay for order hit because you, you get those extra. You get, defeat yeah. a couple of guys, a couple of victory points. You're going to use right away to order a hit to get one of your guys to uh, interrupt and do a. And he's an the attack. first guy that allows but, but he, you to spend victory yeah. points yeah, to no. do an ability. Yeah. But even if you don't, I mean. I know if you if you're going up against a trooper list and they've got reinforcements, you know, I mean he he, he could just you know, be that well, extra edge in, in a in a Especially game. I'm gonna jump a, a little bit ahead and but, talk about his command card yep, here. Because sure. yep. if you're this is why I think they're going to supplant the current meta. Well I'm hoping. Mm-hmm. But they might have pushed a little too far. Because Jabba's command card allows him to place his card on an opposing unit's uh card, their deployment card right and you get to do an extra wound with every attack to models in that deployment group yes so if you're reinforcing something and i've put this on your elite stormtroopers and i'm getting an extra victory point every time i kill a stormtrooper and i'm making it super easy to do so (laughs) i mean it makes it that much more difficult of a choice to just bring troopers because i'm now going to get four victory points plus the victory points of your deployment card and if you put cross training which is the current normal mm-hmm. thing that means you reinforce them that's 14 points for a java list yeah for one stormtrooper list yeah or one stormtrooper deployment card yeah yeah absolutely now i don't know that i would use the order hit all that often it, it's it takes both of his activations True. it costs victory points i could see it like if if you're starting around and you have somebody who's in maybe a precarious location like you jump up somebody like bosk or and you need him to shoot something maybe to finish it off and then escape instead of activating bosk activate java and order bosk and because it again order hit java doesn't need to be anywhere in close he doesn't have to be line of sight to the figure it just has to be a scum figure of your choice may interrupt interrupt to perform an attack and then then gain two movement points points. for the cost of two victory points so it it can be a turn the tide of something yeah it's not one you're going to be using every turn but having the ability to do it and if they yeah. finish it it's like you're only spending one victory point i mean honestly because you're getting the one victory point if back you have for to, defeating if you're able to defeat the guy exactly so it's 
it's not hugely expensive to no. use it victory point wise. It almost pays for itself. Yeah. <laughs> so Jabba is just he's a beast. Yeah. He's I I think he is better than temporary alliance and Gideon. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think you're right. I, th- I think this might be uh, the intention might be to shake up the current meta. Oh, and, sure. And and you know be- because I think he's he's got enough ability that he's 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 going to be really unpredictable in how he's used. Yes. That. Yeah, I, I think it's going to force people to start shaking up their their lists to to be able to respond to this kind of thing. Yeah. Now, having said that, he isn't exactly hard to kill. I mean, no, no. He, he's got ten health for six points, which I, I'm never going to complain about. That that's no. that's a good return on points. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a black die for defense. But the stormtrooper squads, you have two of them shoot at him in a round. You, you got to gonna... get to him though. You do. Yeah. You know, it's going to take you probably two rounds to, to, to cross the board get, just to get to him. Yeah. Once and, you get and close you to him, he do, can't escape you, though. You aren't going to be doing that yeah. without some sort of You, you know, have to go through something. You know I mean? yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And oh, I oh, start this, bullying your guys. and like, oh, you big bully. Oh, here's this big hallway <laughs> nobody's defending. That, yeah. You know, that, <laughs> no, that's you, just you, not going to happen. You're going to be keeping him back. You're going to, you know, he's not going to be moving anywhere. You're going to be keeping him back. with two speed. And if you do get him in close, there's benefits. Because bullying. So, yeah, yeah he, he can defend himself. So. And if he's in the back, you're allowing him to focus somebody and draw a command card every turn. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, who's not going to take that? An extra command card? And then you add in the other <laughs> command cards that have come with uh, Java are going to be oh, yeah. Yeah. shoot the messenger, which is any scum figure can use after you resolve an attack. If you defeat the defender... Your opponent discards the top three cards yeah. of his three. command. That's huge. And this yeah. is a zero-point card. Yeah. yeah. That is just a phenomenal zero-point card for Scum. Yeah. Easy to negate, but, but if they get it off. Are, you're no. going to have to use negate, which means when take initiative pops up. Yep. They won't have negate. They won't have negate. Yeah. yeah. And yes, there's also, they're adding in a lot of cards that, you know, negate other cards. Yeah, and all stuff. the spy stuff. Well, but hell, yeah. I mean, sure, use it on that. It's yeah. a zero point. I'm yeah. going to take it. And if you don't negate it, that's three cards of yours gone, mm-hmm. or at least one if you're going to negate it. Yep. So not a bad card. I didn't like assassinate. Um, Just it's cost. A figure to it, apply plus three wounds. Well, how many? What's it's, it's a three point, point cost. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a three point, and it's only used against one person. Yeah. yeah. So and uh, it's any situational. Situational, but if you have like with the scum, almost everybody in scum is a hunter, so it can be used. It's by almost good against anybody. the bigger yeah. characters, essentially, or if you need to finish off a deployment card. I was just going to say that. Yeah. I, I think I'd, I'd see that being used to, to finish something off. Yeah, but for three points, yeah, three points, is it, a it makes bit it pricey. hard for yeah. me to justify it. I guess and then though, if you've food. got a whole bunch of points, you're not spending. There you go. Yeah, yeah. keep that in mind for this Christmas. <laughs> exactly and then he yeah. also gets his uh skirmish upgrade card which i also find unique is black market mm-hmm. for scum it's a one point skirmish upgrade and at the end of each round a friendly smuggler may suffer one strain and if it does reveal the top command card of your deck then you can spend victory points equal to the card's cost to draw it so if it's a zero point card you're getting it for free for free yeah not a bad deal Discard the card and gain victory points equal to its cost, which, when you're coming to turn two or three, four, kind of, well, particularly in tournament play, yeah. if you draw a three-point card and it's going to put you over the top at the end of the round, yep. the opponent has no way to stop that. Because yeah. it's not a command card play or anything. It's an ability. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then there's also, you can return the card to the top a... of your deck and know what you're drawing next round. Yep. Yeah. So, no, it's a really good upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. Now, does it compete with devious schemes 
under duress it yeah i think it kind of does but you again like we said scum doesn't have a lot of smugglers yeah so maybe not i don't know not not a bad way to spend a point to to bolster you know jabba's already not a bad way to know. spend some of jabba's health if he's yeah. in the back and safe right. from yeah, everybody else he's a smuggler so yeah yep. he's <laughs> one of the few smugglers is greedo a smuggler I yes i yeah. think greedo is okay but I could be wrong. It's been a while since I've looked at his card. Yeah. So yeah, if, if you if you look at him as a, as a package of, of seven points for all of this, I mean that's yeah. If he's going to change things, he's going to yeah. change things. He's going to be great. And if he gets rid of Gideon in the scum list, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and not because I think it's cheap or something for people to be using Gideon. And it, it's just I want to see scum be scum. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. oh we're going to take rebel rebels. generals <laughs> to help us out. Like it just yeah. Yeah. thematically, I like seeing themes. One thing we didn't mention, uh, I'm sure people following along have already seen the card, but if you haven't, he has no surges. Um, he does have an melee attack, so if someone does get close to him, he has a red-green attack. But yeah, again, no it just shows you. But do you him. even care about Jabba's attack? No, I mean, yeah. we didn't you're going to be using bully, if anything, no. I would think. Yeah, yeah, because you're doing three wounds automatic. Yes, or yeah. six command cards if you have under duress. I mean, who's yeah. going to choose to take a swipe at something? Yeah. Unless it's like you just did three wounds with a uh, bully, bully, and you and then you can finish yet. it off. You can try to finish him off with a melee, yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, but yeah. even still, if I have something left on the board, I think I'd probably focus it instead and let them kill the thing. Unless you know, Jabba's for some reason the only person around. Yeah, that unless can you're do trying it. to take him up before he gets to activate him, that kind of thing. That might be the only other. But a melee, melee has disappeared in this game competitively mm, for a yeah. lot of. So, I mean. I don't see Jabba. You just have to stay three squares away from him, and mm-hmm. he's not going to come up and smack you because that's a movement and an attack. So he's going to bully and then do something else. Not yeah. yeah, I don't see... A bully, I think, is going to be situational. It's going to be hard to get bully off, and it, it, it's warranted considering how powerful it is. Yeah, yeah, I think, it, I think it's a standoff ability. Yes. You know, it's like, you, yeah. You want to get close to kill Jabba. Has, <laughs> yeah. has quills. Yeah, like, come closer. Yes, please. Well, you could even like put hide on him or something with yeah, a command to card to get closer to make yeah it, it's like just to suck people into that three reign mm-hmm. but yeah i don't see java he's going to be put in your deployment zone and he's going to yeah. focus mm-hmm. and he's going to draw command cards in your first turn almost guaranteed yeah. if you can get him to a terminal and get that extra command card mm-hmm. have him safe but he's a big model he takes up four squares and he's slow yeah. he's like he's not moving diagonal which means he's really slow at yeah. two movement yeah I, I guess if you were i don't know just wanted to try something else i mean you can you focus himself to get the extra green die and hit that way but uh yeah, you know, like, even that. yeah. so yeah I, I just looked up what smugglers the scum list yeah. currently has and they have Greedo is one yeah and then you have your hired guns elite okay. non-elite yeah. and then you have your ugnaughts yeah, no, okay. So, uh, if you're taking strain on any of those, maybe your elite Ugnaught, who has seven health, can take it, but it's not going to be taken in many competitive lists. No. The hired guns are taken occasionally, but they have so low of health. Yeah. Well, I guess it would be an interesting way of getting parting shot. Yeah. Take a strain at the end of the turn, do the <laughs> special ability with... Yeah. And then have, have them shoot before they take off the board i don't know 
Interesting. There, there's particularly yeah. the there's the one map. I guess it depends on where it happens in the turn order where they, you're using the cameras. It's currently a competitive map. Yeah, ISB. the uh, ISB headquarters. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't want to, your opponent to score a point against you, it's only a hired gun. You could hit them with it <laughs> and take them off. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that would probably happen after point scoring for that because it says end of round. Yeah, maybe. Uh, there's a timing thing there. Yeah. But yeah, so you only you don't have many options for your smuggler trait for mm -hmm. scum still. So that card isn't. It's not going to be easy to use. You're probably using it on Java, which means you're hurting Java. Yeah. Yeah, but true. he he does have the health. If no one's focusing on him, he true. has the health to take it yeah. for ten rounds before you kill him, and I mean and that's no, longer than no any match game goes. goes. 10 rounds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then um, if you look at his uh, campaign one, we don't talk yeah. about him too often. I don't want to see him in campaign. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's like execution order. Another um, he has the bully again. So there's a three spaces, three strain, but then there's like another. Um, Another scum figure of your choice may interrupt a performance attack. So, you know, execution order. That's pretty good. A financial incentive. A friendly figure of your choice recovers two wounds and becomes, and focused. becomes focused. That's not, that's not bad. That, yeah, that's that's nice, really nice. That's huge. And can plot, increase threat. Really, yeah, increase threat by two. Yeah. Like, oh, and then the bottom one. If you don't actually deal with Hut or Jabba by the end of the campaign thing yeah. he, he's going to give the imperial player an extra influence extra influence to spend you, you yeah. have to take him out but you don't want to get close because he's right. such a pain yeah no he'll be he's gonna be really interesting in campaigns i can't wait to wait to try that campaign actually yeah that should be i, I never want to see Jabba opposing me though god that <laughs> he's scary he's gonna take someone's turn away with the three mm -hmm. strain or like just yeah he's gonna be a nice model yeah to... all around he's all just, around he's both fun. campaign and I look forward to seeing him with, you know, his Rancor and some yeah, of his bounty good, yeah. hunters just, just for fun. Like, I don't even know what I'd do with him yet in a competitive list. If he's just straight out, take Gideon out and put him in. Or if it's, you know, something specific to build around him with the new Weequay coming out and the Rancors and stuff. So I haven't put too much thought into that because I wanted to actually have it all in my hands and yeah. see how it meshes. But yeah, on his own. You, you can see people are going to use him yeah. to put something around him because he's just he's too interesting of a model no, to he's, ignore. He's coming out and yeah, unless you know someone finds something really wrong with him or finds some way really to get around him so quickly, I, I can't see him not being used. Well, it, it's mm -hmm. just in just off the top of my head, if you were to look at him in an under duress deck, yeah. don't don't even worry about bully. If someone yeah. gets close enough for bully to be used okay fine whatever mm -hmm. but if you have like elite trend oceans who are getting close Jabba doesn't have to be close to them no to help them out because yeah. he can focus them and as soon as you focus a trend ocean elite mm -hmm. they can keep themselves focused and they're doing strain every turn yeah so just immediately it makes that unit so much better mm -hmm. and I, i've forgotten most of what the weak ways stats are but they're kind of a longer range shot for right. the smugglers yeah and if he can focus them <laughs> that that gives them a pretty decent long range shot they're rolling three dice mm -hmm. it just it scum becomes so much more viable with someone who belongs in a scum list and i don't know it, it just i think under duress will work so much better now yep with him as an option because you can't get close to jabba without trying to kill him and there's 
going to take so many wounds or so many cards are going to disappear if you do. But you yeah. need to take him down because he's just sitting at the back letting people focus and shoot and whatever he wants to do every turn. And the ability to gain a point for every model he kills, not as important against, like, a, a rebel isn't going to care as much unless they're playing, uh, like, a rebel trooper list right. instead. Yeah. But for Imperial players where all you see is Stormtrooper lists, mm -hmm. that's a lot of extra points. Yeah, no, um, no look, really looking forward to him. And he just sort of caps off, you know, the, this this new set's just going to be... Ah, I'm looking forward to it. It's like part of the one I'm looking forward to the most now. Like Bespin, it was great. It had a lot of new um, uh, keywords and, and things that were that really did the really hide mechanic. Change. The hide, hide mechanic is big. A lot of the the spy stuff that came out with around Bespin, yeah. you know, made made some changes. Didn't affect the, the meta a lot, but it did make some changes out there. But I think this is going to be uh, gangbusters for uh, for the scum. Yeah, because for yeah. most of this, they I think they've hit their stride for yeah. what they want to do point cost wise, mm -hmm. ability wise. They they've shown that over the past year they were aware of what needed to be boosted a little yeah. bit. Although I still am quite honestly confused a little bit about the assault on the white dice that they have going on, just mm -hmm. because people are a little upset because you can dodge an attack. It yeah baffles it, me. No, and that's. But for the rest it's of it, it's a one in six. A one in, it's a one in six. Some and some, you know, are two. Well, has and, two and six, but still, whatever. If, if you don't and, want and to you play a luck game, about the one in six where you pull up a blank. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's where the worst of black die. I mean, white I didn't see need an assault. What they do with <laughs> say Obi Wan, where they gave him a black defense die mm -hmm. and a surge defense automatically. What would you rather face? The chance to block everything, every one in six or a chance to take everything on a 1 and 6, or the ability to always be blocking at least one surge, probably two defense that you're mm -hmm. rolling. Right. That makes Obi-Wan so tanky that it, it just... Yeah. Like, that is that is a better die to me than a white die on him. Yeah. Because it, it, like, ISB agents where they need to focus with a surge. Well, he's taking a surge away, so yeah. if you're only getting two surges... And you need to take one to wound him because he's rolled three defense all of a sudden. Yep. It's it's the same thing as someone rolling a dodge. Mm -hmm. But they're not making that assault on the black die. Instead, they're helping Imperials by giving him Zelo technique. Yeah. Oh, we're not going to allow you to pierce yeah. the defense. We're taking away your pierce. Yeah. yeah, which was the rebels' advantage was they rolled they got better pierce on their troopers than yeah. stormtroopers yeah. did. And they took that away from them. And so it's kind of a... It's the one aspect I don't understand where they're going with it. Mm -hmm. But the rest of it, particularly with Jabba's Realm stuff that I've seen, yeah. it it's moving in the proper direction. So I harp on them a little bit for their assault on the white dice. Probably because I use it. But, I mean, I'm more likely to roll blanks. So yeah. Overall, I've rolled a lot more blanks than I have <laughs> dodges. That just seems to be Some how people works. say... Yeah. Well, it's perception bias a little bit, right? Yeah, but. True. It's when it comes up at that game-turning moment, I think, yeah. that people hate it. If they kill Leia with this shot, they know they've got it. And I roll a dodge, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, that, that happens. And when you look at the rest of the die, even, you know, they're sure there's that one blank. But the rest of the things are like, well, block a surge and a... One defense and one, defense. And one evasion. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's a, one in six really is like the sweet spot on that die. So really, why are you getting rid of these dies so quickly? I don't know. Yeah, it didn't need to be... Yeah. It didn't need to be mitigated at all. And now there's so much mitigation that it's it really comes down to are you willing to take the risk of taking a white die defense mm -hmm. model? Yeah. Not 
are you willing to take the risk to shoot at a white defense model, which is what it used to be, because yeah. am I going to waste a focus shot on those rebel sabs? Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll shoot at Gideon instead to finish him off so he can stop focusing them. Mm -hmm. Now it's, well, I can make them re-roll, or if I make them re-roll, I'll use tough luck and take the die away. Yeah. Or I can just spend a surge to negate it altogether, mm -hmm. depending on which model you're using. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know. It, I understand people don't like having their attack negated, but it happens just as frequently with a stormtrooper shooting, say, another stormtrooper, because you're rolling two dice. Yeah. If they roll that one in six of three defense block, they're basically negating your attack anyway. So it's the same kind of... Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's so many times where I've rolled a black and, you know, just by adding... Or depending on, on the figure, if you have... If that figure has plus one, like Bosk has plus one... Um, plus one defense. Plus one defense, where he's almost negated a, an attack as it is. Yeah, just by rolling the average of two defense on yeah. a black die. Yeah. Or Boba Fett, who gets evasion and block with yes. a black die. Like, mm -hmm. he's a he's complete hell to try and kill, and that's why most people avoid yeah. him. Like well, you shoot at other targets. Other people might try, and then, <laughs> and then there's me, where I'll be damned if I'm not going to kill him, and I and I throw my every figure I've got at at Randall's one figure. <clears throat> but you know he's soaking up damage. That's his thing. Yeah. So yeah, actually, Boss is a white. I keep forgetting that. Oh, is Boss white? He's a white. Yeah, I was thinking. Wait a minute, he's a white. So, but even then, he's you know he's rolling. Well, that's old Luke's defense is yeah. white with a with one. plus one. So he's like two. He's blocking two and just maybe a surge usually. And Bosk isn't that hard to kill. No, he's only got eight health. I mean, he's hard to kill if you take no, a ten pot health. shot. Ten is he ten health? Yeah, oh, ten. sorry, ten health. Yeah. But he, if you don't concentrate on him, mm -hmm. he's hard to kill. Well, especially if he retreat. gets chances because he automatically recovers. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, I mean, we've gotten a little off tangent. Because no, it's, it's, it's not on that. He does it, recover. Jabba is going to change that, I think. Yeah. The whole mechanic of things. But, yeah, it, it's interesting to see where they're going with it. Yeah, a lot of, well, I don't know. Yeah, the, the next couple of months, are, I think, are going to be very interesting. We're going to see a lot of a lot of new stuff hit the table, at least in its, mm -hmm. you know, in its test phase. Well, we're going to have our regionals again. I can't wait again. to see a Rancor on, on it, you know, yeah. on a board. All of yeah. this stuff's going to be in its infancy, and we're going back to regionals. Regionals in February. February. So, yeah. yeah, it's kind we of like... have a lot of time to play test with this stuff, but we're gonna have to try. Yeah, because yeah. I'd like to get some of it out. You know, potentially take it to the regionals if, if possible. Well, I, I chickened out of taking a Bantha list yeah. to the last regionals yeah. at the last minute and decided to take my Rebel list instead. Yeah, and it. Well, you I mean, well, <laughs> I, I can't complain about that. No. But, I mean, I'm, I'm much more tempted to finally go away from my Rebels. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Sure. I, I'll see, I see strengths in mm -hmm. a lot of choices now in the scum list. Not, this costs a little bit too much for what they add. Right, yeah. Because it was designed for campaign play, and it only translates slightly okay into skirmish play. So, it, and you can see what they've done is where they've needed to they've made two cards one for campaign one and, for skirmish yeah they split it up a bit and a lot more now where they did it before it worked slightly but i mean there's still no one's taking hand and chewy still i mean that they, they really they, yeah. they say that there's changes coming to that from what i read on world's announcements and stuff and we i'd hope. like to see that yeah. stuff change a bit but yeah th this stuff here just it's almost a little bit power creepy where you're, you're seeing scum get this huge boost but they they definitely needed it yeah they did absolutely because before it's like if someone was taking something other than bantha and hks 
with Gideon and 3PO probably. Oh, yeah. That they weren't overly competitive of a list. They could surprise you every now and then with under duress, but as soon as you understood what under duress could do, Mm -hmm. it was compensated against fairly quickly because scum isn't known for their speed. Yeah, true. Yeah, other than um, Boba Fett, everyone else is... uh, Boba Fett. Yeah, Boba Fett and Iron Guns, yeah. They're, um, yeah, they're average, you know, for speed. Yeah, not the fastest, but... Yeah. And I mean, rebels—they stay away from them. Yeah. Imperial, if you get in close to a stormtrooper list, that's all too many shots for a group of Trandoshans to take. Who need to get it within three spaces to have their abilities start to take effect. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, a Trandoshan point blank is going to kill a stormtrooper mostly, depending on luck, of course. Yeah. But the return fire is going to kill the Trandoshan, and what's mm-hmm. a what's a bigger loss? Yeah. Yeah. Something true. you can reinforce, or something that's just dead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping. I mean, it looks promising. Of course, you get stuff on the table and yeah, no, it can all bets change. are off. Yeah, so. like usual. Just to get Jeff off the topic of, you know, how he always wins stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I don't know if, if you guys wanted to talk about this a little bit. We've we've uh, recently started a mini campaign. Yeah, we're going through the Bespin mini campaign. It's and, um, uh interesting. Um, yeah, Randall is, is taking the, the side of the, 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 ba- the super baddies. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff, this is your this is your first campaign. Well, yeah. we yeah. started the campaign once before. We started the main campaign, but we okay. never finished it. Yeah, we got a few missions in where yeah. I was doing it. Well, we were playing just Randall and I and my son, and with only two, like we started with two heroes, two heroes, and, and get the two activations, two and... activations with two heroes. The game wasn't it wasn't fair to the Imperials. Once yeah. you know, you, to you just, just run. Yeah, yeah. You, you just go <laughs> and do the objective. It. It's really yeah. you need to have four else. heroes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it, I mean, we, we I played it before, but not not with five full, like a full yeah. squad. Like we're doing this time. Yeah. And, I mean, we we didn't really discuss what we were going to do with our heroes before we came into this. So it's no, nice, I, it's I nice actually, mash. I, I might've liked that, but then I thought, well, we're, it's a, you know, we're doing a mini campaign rather than, you know, the something lengthy. Yeah. Otherwise I think that might've been all right. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's only four missions in a mini campaign. And so we'll see how it plays out. Um, yeah, the, the rebels won the first one, but it was close. Um, yes, Lando was. won it for us. It was Lando. Yes, Lando. Yeah. yeah and, and, don't you call him an NPC? Yeah, yeah. Won the game yeah, because yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, we were looking at. Uh, I was looking online. Just uh, one thing. This mission, the first mission. If you haven't played it uh, in the Bestman campaign, um, uh, whatever it's called, I can't remember. It has to do with these. There's these hollow cams, and it uh, they're minus three accuracy to hit them. Um, and if you're doing a, a melee attack, you have to have at least one accuracy. And where are some of the question was is do you have to uh, compensate for the minus three accuracy on the melee as well um on the forum someone was saying that yes you do uh we didn't play it that way um so we we didn't he's wrong yeah it's hard to say um there's no melee attack in the game that can reach four there is no that's that's kind of the point i think that and this guy's or whoever was saying it on the forums was saying yeah because these really aren't meant to be melee attacked if you're going to disable them you either have to use the um, ability check which is strength which is strength what i mean if i can pull up if i can reach up and grab this camera and, and rip, rip it, it off what, yeah how hard is it for me to take a lightsaber and stab it yeah maybe so but i don't know um I, so i don't know there's no real official ruling on it but um i think it's because it, it's pretty 
they gave Mealy an exception already. Yeah. They didn't yeah. double exception it. They didn't say Mealy needs four accuracy. They said Mealy needs one accuracy. Right, right. It's not one accuracy minus three accuracy because shooting requires minus three accuracy on this thing. Yeah. But the, because they didn't specify ranged attacks needs minus three. They said all attacks. All That's, attacks. That yeah. was the, but, the, the kicker. But yeah. Mealy doesn't use accuracy. Normally. Normally. But they were but saying it, in this one, melee does have to have at least one accuracy. Uh, the reason we ended up ruling it the way we did at the time at the we time. played yeah. was because it says attacks require minus three accuracy. Yeah. And then after that, it says melee requires well, one accuracy. actually, it was the other way around. Was it? Yeah. It was melee requires um, one accuracy, and then they said attacks require minus, th- or uh, minus three accuracy. It doesn't make it, sense. It, either way, it, 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 not that it really made a huge difference. Um, I think... It would have impacted one attack. It might have impacted one attack. And because we had um, Lando, who is an elite figure, elite um, rebel figures, um, get one success automatically when doing tests, any test. So, And you don't need one ex- ex- um, success to destroy the, um, the holocam. So you know he could just go up there and bat it or yep. whatever. So and Just immediately. Yeah, he immediately. Because all, all of the other rebel figures had kind of poor... Yeah, we were all one blue die for our strength yeah, checks. Yeah, for the strength yeah. checks. So the chances of getting successes were Completely a lot less. Completely planned, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, okay, we're awesome. <laughs> so, well, the one saving grace is we do have Diala, who yeah. And I, I took her one-point card who yeah. allowed... If anyone takes a strength test, or was it just her? I forget off the top of my head, but she could add a green die if she exhausted her card to yeah. a strength or a tech check. So, right. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one accuracy minus three accuracy thing. <laughs> if, if I can reach up and grab a camera with a strength tech, it, it doesn't make sense to me that I can't hit it with a melee weapon. Yeah. yeah well, maybe. I can I understand it's it, small and requires a little bit of precision to it. Maybe, maybe if you're like trying to swing something at it as opposed to re- going up there and reaching with for it with your hand, maybe that you're trying to say it's harder to hit. I don't know, but whatever, it's done. But um, and it wasn't a huge factor no, in the game. No, like I said, I think no, one attack. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So it, uh, it, but it didn't come down like to the second last round. It was, it was close, and I was I was right at the it was like the second room you guys went into where I just got a, a new squad of stormtroopers out. So if Lando hadn't done it right then, or if you he had managed been to out. knock Lando out, well, yeah, he, he would have been his... knocked out the next round. Yeah, I had, like three troopers right there ready to shoot at him. Yeah. I, I th- I'm assuming maybe he wouldn't have, but no, yeah. he would have. Fortunately, yeah. we had his activation left. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and he was within. He was within just striking within range. Distance, yeah. He was perfect range. And Lando's yeah. reroll because we wouldn't. Yeah, have, with his gambit being able to switch his one die to and mm-hmm. reroll it, well, allowed us to kill the last camera before he went down. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're trying out this campaign, and so far it's uh, it's good. I was looking online, and and the first one seems to be in favor of the rebels. Like people were doing was doing a little poll online, and the and the first one does seem to go heavily in favor of the rebels, and then the other one sort of balance out. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think this one. Yeah. I remember the first attempt at a campaign that we did. Wherever you like, you open a door, and all of a sudden there was troops waiting. Yeah. Yes. This yeah. one here, you open a door. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. No, don't want to that, spoil it for anybody. Yeah. But, um, so don't listen not, anymore. If you yeah, don't listen anymore. To that. <laughs> yeah. no spoilers, but um, it's not not it, quite as bad. Less harsh. Less, less harsh. harsh. Yes. Yeah. And I question some of the placement, like how they place um, the initial troops. Um, for the Imperials. Yeah, it's like they were trying to show off the Wingard's ability, yeah. but they placed them in such a way that it was just pointless. Yeah, well, Agreed. I guess the only benefit would be if 
people were totally unfamiliar with the wing guard. And, and now Bespin's been out long enough that we know what the wing guard can do. So if, if someone's totally unfamiliar with the wing guard, they might not think to focus on the wing guard first and then try to worry about the troopers first. But but they didn't hide the wing guard well enough for us to not shoot them. Yeah. Because yeah. knowing that they caused strain if we would have shot the stormtroopers in front of them. Mm-hmm. They have the exact same abilities as the stormtroopers otherwise. Yeah. So it was a pretty simple choice to go, well, let's kill the wing guard. Yeah. So uh, that was my only thing is I questioned that kind of automatic placement, how they set it up. But otherwise, you know, it's good. Um, well, it was, so, st- it was still close. Yeah. I mean, and yes. maybe because we lost sight of the objective on probably turn three turn four a little bit i think mm-hmm. we were a little bit focused on trying to get rid of like uh some of the guys you'd brought out like yes, the e-web and, and yeah whatnot yeah. but once we were like okay we're past them yeah and open the doors and go kill stuff it was yeah. a little easier yeah well, and we've got um our friend joe who who actually ran the last campaign that randall and i were yeah the hot one yeah. so he he was the imperials and he's he's very good at making sure you get back on focus. Yes. Yeah. So Remember, we only he, need he to was, kill cameras. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> constantly reminding that we need to go. We need to go after these objectives. We've got this many rounds. We can basically only, you know, we need to get a camera. You, you can on only this waste thing. this round, and then every round we have to kill a camera. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's, uh, it's good he was because I, I'm I mostly play this game skirmish. Yeah. And what's do. the focus of skirmish? The mission yep. objective is an it's kind of an aside. You can yep. get extra points, but you're focusing on killing your opponent so that they can't do stuff. In yep. a campaign, it's completely opposite. If you focus on Imperial troops instead of your objective, sure, clear the ones that are in oh, your yeah. way yeah. or are going to kill someone. But I mean, mm-hmm. you, you just you want to focus on what you're doing. And with Joe there to constantly hammer that in, it's <laughs> like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. we have to focus on cameras. Yeah, and and. and it's kind of interesting to have him on on the I, I guess side. like yeah our side of the table yeah. now that um you know just uh, you know we we chose our our you know starting heroes and um you and know they I, I've, chosen for power or yeah anything. I, i've got i've got davith mm-hmm. and and you know i just kind of oh you know what was what were the heroes that were remaining so oh i haven't played him i'll, I'll try that yeah. and just out of the sort of you know the the then luck of the draw i guess um, you know, Joe kind of looks at it and and he basically says to me like, "Oh, I guess you're our tank." Yeah. You know, Davith, Davith <laughs> as as yeah. the tank. All right. So <laughs> it, it kind of forced me to, you know, I guess play him in in a way that I I I normally wouldn't. So you know, here's Davith running in and and like you know point blank engaging two heavy stormtroopers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, got this flipped kind of pretty stuff. quick. I yeah, I got flipped pretty quick, but at the same time, you know, I well, I I. I think I did. I take out that first camera. I think I might have got yes, the first one. I think you yeah. shot the first one, and, yeah, and then went attacked. right at at Randall yeah. Stormtroopers. And I think, to some extent, I guess mm-hmm. I must have been doing my job because I yeah. yeah I got flipped, but I sucked up a bunch of damage that could yeah. have been going somewhere else. You did, yeah. But you think like that's not normally how. No, <laughs> not normally Davith. how you. Play with <laughs> Davith seems like he should have been the strike guy. Yeah, and, you know, fade. Yeah, and fade kind of yeah. thing. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses because, yeah, we didn't well, really I, take anybody. We have Verena too. She's yeah. kind of a tank. Um, I think. Bit, yeah. I think the roles will switch. Yeah, I think Verena will be the one who actually gets in close and does the tanking, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Davis will, once he has fell swoop, be the move in, hit, move out. Do two attacks. You know, move your yeah. five movement back out. Well, assuming I can get fell swoop before the end. I mean. 
you know, it's yeah. a mini campaign. Yeah. So, well, depending yeah. on how how it develops, you get quite a bit of experience in the mini campaign. Yeah, because you're getting two like, experiences shot it looks instead like it. of yeah. one. So you'll get your abilities a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without side campaigns and stuff too. It, it, yeah, no side campaigns. Yeah. It's just four straight missions. So yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. It's fun though. Uh, and the, the other heroes we have are Loku and uh, yeah, Rina, Laku, Davith, and Diala. Yeah, yeah. Lo- Loku was very handy. That's that's actually who I wanted to take uh, initially, but but I'm I'm punished for not being on Facebook <laughs> because decisions are made and then you find out later. So yeah, Someone Joe called got Loku. Yeah, and... Joe got Loku. <laughs> that's and then okay, Verena from... was also chosen beforehand. So the only person I really beat out for for hero was you. Yeah, because I, I showed you up. You had the drags. I, I would know. I was like, I see. Both Mark and Joe had picked something. I'm yeah. like, I'll just wait and see what Drew picked and kind well, of and, and, fill in. Uh, but you know, I, at, at the very least, I get to see Loku in action. Yeah, and absolutely. I, so far, I'm, I'm kind of impressed. Like he's well, he's he going to drop. He's off. got he's yeah. got this really decent. What's well, beginning at the beginning? Yeah, he has good speed and he has that recon ability. Yeah, yeah. which is which is really interesting to see. Like what a you know what a great uh, advantage for for a team. Mm-hmm. You know, being able to um you know drop those recon tokens on on a unit um especially in this case you know when we're dealing with troopers you know we he drops that recon token on the first one uh which gives everybody who's attacking plus it one. a plus one yeah and it doesn't go away it then just switches to the next figure in that in that activation well if he uses a special ability yes yeah, sorry yeah and, and and he did so he was you know moving around making it a, a lot easier for us to hit uh you know, take out figures. Yeah, and and he can hit from a uh, a fairly a de- decent distance. Well, you have to remember that because it's a mini campaign, we got sixteen hundred gold to start or something like that. Yeah, yeah. four hundred per hero. And yeah. so we we used it to really buff Loku. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So he was using a better gun. Yeah. I I honestly, when I was looking at the characters, I was kind of which ones would I take to a campaign? I mm-hmm. mean, I, I never analyzed them before for our first run yeah. through. And this time I'm like, oh, look at actually all the characters and look at their special abilities and see mm-hmm. how they go. And Loku is a far cry worse than Mac. Yeah. A lot of people would yeah. say that Mac is, is definitely the better. Well, Mac yeah. is, he's probably one of the best characters in campaign mode, I think. Because yeah. he... You can't shoot at him with one of his abilities if he's outside of four squares. He ignores people blocking line of sight. Mm-hmm. and He can do the same damage because he's taking the mm-hmm. same weapons as Loku is. It just he's well, and he's definitely a he's definitely a striker. It um, you know I think Loku offers uh, a, a bit more support. Yes, you know with, within the team, yeah. it's limited <laughs> because of he's only got the two recon tokens and. I don't know if it's ever worth to throw it on a crate to be able to. I, yeah, I don't know about that, but I... it, it definitely helped kill stormtroopers, especially mm-hmm. early in one shot. But then it's gone. Yeah, and he just took too strained to put that. Yeah. I think it was too strained. Uh, maybe not having played him directly. Yeah, I, I don't think remember. it was too strained to place a recon token. Right. So decent helping clear a path though. He did. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think yeah, he's right? a stronger earlier character. But if I could have spent that same sixteen hundred on say Mac, I I think I would have been. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not unhappy. I, yeah. I like seeing everything being played. I'm just yeah, saying. No, I, mean, a... I, I think it's cool that we're using him uh, just to try him out, anyways. See what he's like, and for a mini campaign, maybe he's better suited for a mini campaign because where... he can get all yeah, of his abilities sure. yeah. fairly quickly. Yeah, 
Yeah. Maybe long-term campaign, like the the main one or the Hoth one, maybe not so much. But yeah. Well, and it, the campaign is interesting when you can have five people sit down and there's i mean it's competitive but you're not worried about hurting people's feelings yeah because <laughs> I, I know sitting down with like descent which is game is uh <laughs> kind of off of yeah it, it just it's a deterrent to play with my family because someone's getting sad that they're losing kind of thing and and well, this it's like they... i don't need to power game yeah my and, and that's where they much. really with the campaign well with descent they've released that app or yes and it works really well yeah and there is rumors that they're going to be working on it for imperial assault as well they're well i'll be honest i don't even think it's rumors i think it was announced well it was sort was of it? announced i think i think it was announced well You're right. yeah. i think what the guy said was we're doing it without yeah. like saying a date or yeah, they anything yeah, yeah, like there's that. no like who knows how long it's going to take yeah. for them to do it could be another year i'm looking forward to it if they do get it off because it, it, that whole you know get rid of having one person against everybody yes. and make it more like it was with the Mansions of Madness. The new version of Mansions of Madness is great with that app because it, it unfolds the story for you and you're building the, 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 the mansion as you go. I don't know, is it like that with Ascent too? Are you building yes, a dungeon you build as you a, go? Yes, you build a dungeon as you go. So same with this. It could be like you're building your map as you go. You have to have all your tiles out and ready to go, I guess. That could be kind of weird. They, they do, well, with the Descent app, yeah. it, I mean, it'll kick your ass. Just yeah. all of a sudden, with if you're not used to it, because we we played through, and it's like all of a sudden it gives the monsters like two turns, and you're just like, okay, oh. we can't handle that, and so you're dead. Yeah. So that, I mean, it it gives because it's a scripted mm-hmm. campaign. It, it does give the opposite side some distinct advantages, but right. it doesn't have the benefit of an intelligent being sitting behind it going i should withdraw this person right yeah to keep the them alive different yeah. something like that because if i keep this specific unit alive i can reinforce it with my uh threat or whatever it's yeah, called it's right yeah. and if he dies i won't be able to afford to bring back the whole squad or something yeah right? so i'm really curious if they do get this out how how it all balances and works yeah. and the other thing that descent can do that i think they'll have a harder time with with imperial assault is descent's expansions are simply things like monsters right. or new heroes they don't there's not a whole lot of new map pieces or things like that where imperial assault if you check off that you've got hoth mm-hmm. you've got best twin, you've got and all twin that, Chat, yeah. it's a lot to incorporate into a single campaign and true maybe they'll just do the original campaign as well their own original campaign and then right. the rest you have to pay for maybe because yeah, it's a free app yeah but th- the way descent works is you just I, check off everything you own and it'll throw it in kind of thing. i can't yeah. i can't see them charging no yeah. you know the, not the, the initial they, app yeah. but even descent I, I, has, I wouldn't even think for the i wouldn't even think if they were going to release you know additional modules for, for descent they, they do charge you in descent for additional modules that is so cheap well, you know, they, they are beyond, like, you so the modules stuff. that you get are they like based on the ones that are already existing no it's a it's a it's, well it's brand new it's uh it uses the same villains mm-hmm. but it's its own story so to speak yeah and i mean you get the map that you can travel around and kind of choose where you're going for side missions and all that stuff just like the original game but it's i don't know how much playability because we haven't gone through it a, right. a lot like we haven't tried to replay it a second time to know if it's going to be replayable or if it's just going to be 
identical this happens this mm -hmm. turn kind of thing well so it, with the original app i'm looking at yeah. their descent one right here they have the tutorial right so it's like one mission teach you what the app's going to do then they have their kindred fire campaign so it takes the main guy from the base game lord merrick pharaoh yeah and you're going in a campaign to destroy or stop him yeah and then they bring out a new one called the delve which they charge 650 for okay to unlock yeah. and then you can see stuff in it when you go to what your collection is that you have for the game you can just check off mm -hmm. what expansions that you currently have are right whether it's you know uh just a main villain or a full like manner of ravens expansion pack yeah so it gives you a few new right heroes and stuff like that and that it'll add it in give you the options to play with them so i'm assuming it'll be something very similar for mm -hmm. uh imperial assault which well fantasy flight if you're listening stop being cheap <laughs> Yeah, well, the the amount we're we're spending <laughs> yeah, for true. each expansion. If if you're here's, not getting one for each expansion you buy, if if they would finally use those proof of proof of purchase little tokens to activate it in in you know, then okay. If they warn me so somehow. I can steal all the ones you kept first because yeah. I threw all of mine out <laughs> somehow. But you know, I mean, you know the these these sets the the constant release. Yeah. You know, look, I'm on board. I'm buying your stuff. Don't punish me for it. <laughs> I guess it depends on also how much replayability there is in the base ones. Yeah. Because I know with Mansions of Madness, um, uh, we played through the, the introductory scenario with, uh, with with this one guy. And um, he had played it twice before. And he says it was a different experience each time. Like, it was, you know, essentially the same story, but it played out differently each time quite a bit. Now, is that based off of the player actions, or is it based off of the AI, like, the AI is saying, I'm, uh, I'm randomly, sure. I'm going to do this next? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. Maybe it's a bit of the AI doing something differently. Maybe it's, there's some randomness in there. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I didn't, you know, he didn't talk about exactly how it was different for him each time. But um, he did say that he's played it, played it three times, and it, and it was different enough each time that it was still enjoyable. So that's good. Yeah, and that's just the introductory scenario. There's other scenarios, you know, as you go along in that in that game. But yeah, so if, as long as there's some replayability in the base ones, you know, maybe I could forgive a little bit of having to pay for the well, other ones. I don't know. The I'll difference though is, hey, I'm looking at it like, okay, you're you're providing a free app for us. Yeah. That yeah. that's wonderful. Like, good on you. We've mm -hmm. paid for your product. Give us some playability in this app to make it a cooperative game even though you don't have to mm -hmm. and you know i appreciate that yeah. but 650 for an yeah, adventure that may be just playable once and yeah. then you don't play it again seems a little high yeah and, and well, i gotta hope that there's some replayability th yeah maybe maybe i should run through descent a few times and just to see just to see if it's the exact same thing cookie a, cutter each time then yeah it's, yeah it's, it's not worth you know it you might as well give it out for free with each expansion where you buy the expansion and include it and it unlocks the next adventure. So yeah. we're going to buy Jabba's Realm because we're suckers and we like spending <laughs> our money on them. That's, that, <laughs> that's their market. Exactly. So they, they do that and they give us with this app an extra campaign that it knows to run through because we've bought their product. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Not six fifty for a while. You've bought the expansion and if you want to include it in the app, no. spend another yeah. 10 bucks. Because I mean, it's six fifty American. I'm... Because with Descent, they also um, don't they have like books of campaigns you can buy separately. Well, I I've never looked into it that deeply. Yeah, I thought there was like maybe I don't know if it's first edition or second edition. I thought there was like 
additional campaigns you can buy separately that you can use with, with the, all the stuff. And if it's that kind of thing that they're doing with the app, maybe. I don't know. don't know how to say yeah. Anyway. Okay. Well, I think we've talked enough today. That's uh, going to well, be like a three-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in again. So, like I said, we might be a little bit longer before our next episode. Um, maybe we'll be lucky and get something out by the end of December, but most likely it won't be till middle of January that you hear from us again. Um, and then we'll get back, try to get back into the two-a-month schedule again. You know, thanks for listening again. Follow us on our website at www.boardnowgaming.com. That's board at B-O-A-R-D. You find us on Facebook under Board Now Gaming. At Twitter, we're at Board Now Gaming. So follow us there and, and send us uh, tweets. You can subscribe to the uh, RSS for the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You know, uh, we have a guild on Board Game Geek where I put up the show notes. And, um, you know, if you want to enter discussions about the episodes on there, feel free. You can find the link to that on our website. Otherwise, you know, I found out how to turn on comment, commenting on the website, which I didn't realize <laughs> wasn't on before. So, you know, you can always go on there and um, send Please us a comment. Please comment, but yeah. we're not going to let you comment. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Comment, but no. figure out how. <laughs> so we'd love to hear from you. Um, and anyways, uh, uh, thanks for listening and uh, keep on gaming. And I guess if you don't hear from us until the new year, have a happy, happy holiday. New year. Oh, and happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good Hanukkah, stuff. Hanukkah, what? whatever your thing is whatever your next thing is have yeah. a happy one that's, that's right in order just just have fun play games take care I really like Christmas it's sentimental I know but I just really like it I am hardly religious I'd rather break bread with Dawkins than Desmond Toot Toot To be honest And yes, I have all of the usual objections To consumerism, to the commercialization of an ancient religion To the westernization of a dead Palestinian press Ganged into selling playstations and beer But I still really like him I'm looking forward to Christmas Though I'm not expecting a visit from Jesus, I'll be seeing my dad, my brother and sisters, my gran and my mom. They'll be drinking white wine in the sun. I'll be seeing my dad. My brother and sisters, my gran and my mom They'll be drinking white wine in the sun I don't go in for ancient wisdom don't believe just cause ideas are tenacious It means that they're worthy 
Freaked out by churches Some of the hymns that they sing Have nice chords But the lyrics are spooky And yes, I have all of the usual objections To the miseducation of children Who in tax-exempt institutions Are taught to externalize blame And to feel ashamed And to judge things as plain right or wrong But I quite like the song I'm not expecting big presents The old combination of soft drops and chocolates Is just fine by me Cause I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters My gran and my mum They'll be drinking white wine in the sun I'll be seeing my dad My brother and sisters My gran and my mum They'll be drinking white wine And you, my baby girl My jet-lagged infant daughter You'll be handed round the room Like a puppy at a primary school And you won't understand But you will learn someday But wherever you are and whatever you face These are the people who make you feel safe in this world My sweet blue-eyed girl And if my baby girl When you're 21 or 31 Christmas comes around And you find yourself 9,000 miles from home You'll know whatever comes Your brothers and sisters and me and your mom Will be waiting for you in the sun Whenever you come Your brothers and sisters Your aunts and your uncles Your grandparents, cousins And me and your mom Will be waiting for you in the sun Drinking white wine in the sun Darling, when Christmas comes We'll be waiting for you in the sun Drinking white wine in the sun Waiting for you in the sun Waiting for you
Christmas It's sentimental, I know 